Every mentoring class off like this. We're the children of God, right? That means we should be talking to him on a regular basis. That also means we should be hearing from him on a regular basis. Pretty much every mentoring class I start with, I start with this question. What are you hearing from the Lord right now? What are you hearing from the Lord today? I believe if you got up this morning, you're a child of God, you should have been talking to him. And if you were talking to him, you should be hearing from him. So what are you hearing from the Lord? Okay, we're just going to kind of pick a couple of things. I'm going to take you someplace that I think is really, really imperative for every born again believer. Go ahead. Well, I checked this out on the way in this morning because I have two folks that we all ride together. And we decided that God was talking to me. That's a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having, I, I don't really recognize that. Okay, that, and that's, that's what we're trying to do is understand that we're trying to recognize the voice of discerning and understanding the voice of God. Go ahead. So last night I went to bed. You have to okay. When I went to bed, I wasn't really ready to go to sleep, but I knew it was time to go to bed. So I turned the light out and I laid there for a little while. I thought this isn't going to work. So um, from somewhere came this thought to go get the, this book, a particular book. And um, I bought this book years and years ago and never cracked the spine on it. It's still sitting on the bookshelf. And so I knew exactly where it was. I went and got it. And um, the book is, the title of the book is Intercessory Prayer. And it's written by Dutch Sheets. Mm-hmm. And I started reading it. Pretty good book. <laughs> I started reading it. Mm-hmm. And it confirmed everything you've taught for the past, like, week. Well, then he's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to check that out. Okay. With you. <laughs> well, it, it answered my my brother-in-law. One day, I stopped in to see him, and, and he was just raving. And I, I don't even know what I said that may have got him started, but he said, "Don't tell me uh, God's a good God." And he just he was off and running, and I just okay. stayed out of his way and let him go. And I didn't have any answer for him, but now I do. Okay. That God, God gave us the earth, and we really screwed it up. Okay. And, uh, okay. There's the last five weeks in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. So okay. your question was, okay. how, how have I heard from God? And apparently I heard from God, because when I read that one, at, at the end of the chapter, he does a summary in one little paragraph like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like listening to you all over again. Okay, it but it was really settling cool. some things in your heart. That's cool. Yeah. Good, good. And it's an amazing thing, too. Notice something else that she said, and I want to share this with you real quick, just on a side note. We'll come back to the questions and stuff. But here's the deal. She mentions the idea that I've had this book for a long time, but I never felt compelled to go take it off the shelf. And I honestly believe that there's a timing, a divine timing in a lot of stuff that goes on in our life. And sometimes it's just a timing issue. I wasn't ready for it two years ago, three years ago. But all of a sudden now my mind, my heart, things get open and now the Holy Spirit just kind of thumps my heart. There's a seed ready to be germinated, if that makes any sense at all. Really does to me. Go ahead, go ahead. Kelly, go ahead, huh? Yeah. Um, It's really weird that you said that because this morning I actually checked my emails before coming to school and one of my emails was, do you need a loan? Call us now. And that's all it said. I'm like, huh, okay. I'm struggling in my personal life and with the Courage House financially. It's, right. I'm being attacked big time. Um, and I clicked on it. I was like, who is this? And then instantly in my mind, God said, you need to trust in me. Wow. That's kind of like a, well, I'm taking it as Satan is, is tempting me 
before I, you know, I need to wait on the blessing that's coming mm-hmm. and believe and have faith. So. Okay. Wow, that's cool. Okay. Anybody else? What are you hearing from the Lord? What are you just hearing from God? Hearing something special from the Lord? Because I really believe our heart has to be open to that. We've got to be ready to receive from that. And God wants, <laughs> come on, we've got to be in communication with the Lord. Go yes, ahead. Um, just to listen and obey him. Cool. Yeah. And that's something you're hearing special in your heart for this season. Yeah. Absolutely. Because in every season, we should listen and, and obey. You follow what I'm saying? But there's a place sometimes where God's just really wanting to get our attention because he's wanting to speak to us. So there's a place where, and can I say this? What was kind of neat, Kathy mentions this, is not just listen, but obey. Because sometimes we can hear God, but there's a reluctancy to respond because of personal issues and different things where obedience is better than sacrifice. And we could talk a long time about obedience, but honestly, there's a phrase that's in my heart's been there for years, obedience commands the blessing. And I really think that in this season, God's speaking to me about radical obedience, where it's radical, immediate obedience. So there's something to that. There's a reason we're running all these avenues. Anybody else? You just hearing something special from the Lord? Okay, if the rest of you aren't hearing from God, we want to open the altar. Okay, <laughs> okay. hang on just a minute. Okay, okay, okay. go ahead, Carol. Yeah. God is so good. He, I, he doesn't speak to me, but he sings to me. Like wow, that's 24/7. cool. 24-7. Yeah. And I get songs all the time in the car. And I, this morning, for some reason, Bette Miller's song came into me, The Rose. Okay. But I, it was, the words were being changed and just... God wants me a beak for me to be a beaking light in this dark world and just to shine and just to pour people pour love into people. Yeah. And you know you're really good at that too by the way. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's neat. Did you catch what she said? God sings to me because I really believe God speaks to a lot of us in different ways, so it's kind of fun that we see it that way. And, okay. And uh, my uh-huh. my name does mean song of joy. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Okay, cool, cool. Want to come right up here, Jen? Okay, yeah. Um, okay, just a couple more. Just want to kind of see what's God speaking in this season. Uh, the, one of the things that we just, we have to be so alert and, and, and ready to hear the voice of God, okay? Go ahead, Patty. I guess we're going to put a different twist on this. Go right ahead. Uh-huh. I'm finding, I think maybe y'all need to pray for me. Okay. Because it seems like here these last couple of weeks, the enemy's really trying to beat me up okay. instead of me. Things that never, that I thought I had victory over are starting to try to rise up there again. And I don't quite understand that. I, know, I guess you know, you're trying to move forward and the enemy wants to keep trying to push you back. But, you know, like fear, fear was trying to arise. You know, well, let me just give you, for instance, last night, I'm like, no, you know, I've always depended on God. And with Obama, he, when he was on the TV last night, you know, I think he's trying to put fear, you know, the Republicans are doing this, the Democrats are doing that. And if this isn't signed in seven days, you know, Social Security is going to be out the window. And I know that's what we, that's all we have other than the jewelry that I am able to sell. Sure. And I'm like, you know, before I thought, you know, I don't care what happens. God's going to take care of me. But I felt fear trying to rise up in me. Mm-hmm. And I had to say no. So it wasn't, I mean, like, this, I'm, like I say, I'm putting a different twist on this. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I think there's something wrong with me because, you know, you hear everybody like having 
joy and I mean like with Linda she had death in the family and there was a lot of turmoil there and it's just like a lot of turmoil going on in our household right now with with fear with fear I have fear with him of his where he's sick and he's outside in this heat trying to fix a pool mm -hmm. you know thinking my god you know this heat you know so I don't know the enemy's just really trying to come against me Okay. Instead of God speaking to me. Okay. But, but in an essence, and I'll show you this because it's kind of cool, Patty. Because even in the midst of that, how many understand that as soon as she talks about having fear, there's a place where we understand there's most of you go to First Timothy, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So we understand that. So we know that when fear is trying to come against us, we know that's never based out of God. Even when there's condemnation trying to come against us, well, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Finish the verse, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit i'm after god so there's there's a convictions from the holy spirit condemnations from hell and we understand the difference of some of that but watch what she's saying because she's saying it seems like i'm trying to hear god but i keep hearing this other voice right other voice john chapter 10 we're all familiar you know what i mean jesus says my sheep hear my voice another voice they will not follow obviously you got to hear the other voice to make the choice to not follow does that make sense? Because he wouldn't say they wouldn't follow it unless you could hear it. So there's a hearing of another voice. But here's the deal. Is as, soon as, you, as soon as you're hearing that, you're recognizing, wait a minute, that's not God. Okay? The only way I can understand that's not God is because I know what is God. Right. Make sense? So there's a place in your life where you know you're hearing God, right? Because this voice I know isn't God. So there's, a, there's, a, there's a, actually an encouraging to that, to know, wait a minute, the enemy's coming against me, trying to bring all this junk on me. And there's a place, and I, I heard what your heart was, even saw the tears. The idea behind that is, man, I don't want that to dominate my life. I'm not gonna give, I don't wanna give that a place in my life. I don't want that to dominate me. And you, you felt that it was kind of almost an overwhelming. You could sense that in your heart, and even as the way you're sharing. And it's like, man, I just so don't want that in my life. That's really encouraging to me because that tells me who you really are. You're understanding your identity, and I'm not accepting that. I don't want that. The, I'm fighting against that because I can tell it's trying to overtake me. I'm not going to give that a place, you know. Now, there's another place where we rise up and we say, wait a minute. Okay, because we know that that's not God, now I turn my heart to him in an immediate response to that. Then it becomes a prayer from my heart to the heart of God. Watch this. You know, this stuff's trying to get me. Father, I just thank you. You haven't given us the spirit of fear. I refuse to receive the enemy's voice. And God, I just thank you that we are surrounded by your love. And no matter what the economy even on the earth is doing. God, I thank you that you've made a promise. You've made a provision. You're still Jehovah Jireh. You're still the God that provides for me. I still stand on Philippians 419 that my God's going to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And because I can take that stand, I have a trust and a confidence that says my God is able even when I don't understand the circumstances around me. And you turn that into a prayer and it becomes a place of faith and I grow stronger because of it. Because for every one of us, I think if we were really honest, there's places just like that where all that stuff does come against us and it's not a matter of whether or not it's going to come it'll come it's what are you going to do with it when it does come that makes all the difference in the world because that's the place where I get to make my choice I have said for years and years and I really stand strong on the idea that life's all about choices now I'm making the choice this is my stand this is what I'm taking remember that yesterday I said I'm an extremist I'm sold out if I backslide you won't have to wonder because I'm an extremist you'll, you'll know you know what I'm saying I just believe that there's a place there where if I'm totally sold out let's go after this thing you know what I mean and that's really what I hear in your heart is uh, there's a stuff that's coming against me, but man, I so don't want that. And it's because there's truth rising up in you and you're standing on that. And that just makes a firmer place for your identity. It tells me you're building on something solid. 
okay? And that's a good place, really, Pat. It's not a bad place. Don't, don't ever take that as a place of, wow, the devil's beating me up because really what it's saying is the devil's attacking me. I'm pretty good. I, can I say this? And I hope you take this the right way. I kinda, I'm kind of glad when the devil's attacking me. It tells me that he's mad at me. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Trying to get to me so bad. I, I'm, I'm confident. What she's saying is there's something good down the line or the devil wouldn't be trying to get me so bad. You know what I mean? And part of that is, watch this, because you're taking some major steps in your life right now. You're even here in the school when you and Terry are together and God's doing some pretty neat stuff in your life. And what happens is you're taking some major steps and he's trying to put some roadblocks. He wouldn't put a roadblock in front of me if I was sitting still. How many know you can't trip over a roadblock if you're sitting still? <laughs> Do you understand? It's only when I'm moving and the devil tries to put roadblocks. Does it make sense? Yeah, right, right. I said the other day, you know, but it seems like for most of us, I can't say it as a blanket statement, but for a whole lot of us, we went through this uh, place in our life. And one of the things that was real important was we, as people, it seemed to me that when I wasn't born again, the devil didn't bother me. And then I got born again and all of a sudden he's everywhere. Well, yeah, because he wouldn't bother me when I was on his team. Does it make sense? Yeah. If you're playing dodgeball, you're not throwing balls at the guys that are on your side. You're throwing do- balls at the guys on the other side. <laughs> okay, you know? That's the reality of this whole thing because we're in a war. Everybody okay with that? We're in a war. I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God and being able to discern his voice because I'm confident of this. I'm confident that he's still speaking. He's called the word. <laughs> There's a reason for that. He's called the word. He wrote a book this big. He's got something to say. Do you understand? So we're hearing him. And there's a place where we want to be tuned in to hear his voice and know what he's speaking and be able to see us in this moment. So, so there's some pretty cool things. We're going to pray here in just a minute. We're going to talk about some of these things uh, because I believe God's, God wants to share secrets with his friends. Okay? We're going to talk about some of that today, because that to me is a big deal, all right? Before we do anything else, can you run that back, Jennifer, to Shane? We, you and I talked yesterday, we were going to start class off, remember? Do you remember what we talked about? I remember what we talked about. What's my part in it? <laughs> you were going to bring it up. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, because you explained some things to me that you saw in your heart that I thought were pretty cool, and I just wanted to kind of share. Can you come on up here, because it would oh. be better for the camera. Okay, because we're going to be a while. I'm going to hang out with Shane today right. for a little bit. You all right with that? Yeah. Here's what I believe. Can I say this? I believe that every one of you in this class has something that you could share, that we can learn and grow from one. I hope you dress nice. You're on camera. You're, you're in 10 countries right now. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Hi, Mom. No sweat. Okay. Okay. Here's the deal. Okay. It is kind of a big deal, but, but listen to some thoughts here. And I, I really think this. I when I read, the, when I study the New Testament church, because I think the New Testament church is our model. I think the book of Acts is there for a reason. I think God gave us a model in that. And what I find in the book of Acts is there was a sharpening one to another. It was a constant thing where, the, where it wasn't, where, please hear this, but somewhere along the years in the early 300s, 400s, there was a separation between clergy and laity that we created. But it wasn't created in the New Testament church. Um, it's, we, we run a whole bunch of First Peter chapter 2 where a royal priesthood you understand all that but the separation of clergy and lady was more man's idea come out of the 300s 325 you got the Nicene Creed you got the Edict of Milan there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know if you guys ever studied any of that kind of stuff but anyway in Constantinople and all the things that went on there in the process of all that what happened is we made a division but what I see in the New Testament church man it looked to me like you know they came together and one shared and another shared and different ones you know what I mean and yet like they had pastors 
Scriptures. We understand all that. There was apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers just like there is today. But there was more of a body ministry where the body ministered to one another. That's why we see so much like on the Saturday nights, man, and even on Sunday mornings. I've got the whole church praying for one another because we've got to understand we all play a part in this. I honestly believe you play a vital part in what God's doing on planet Earth right now. And it's not that, and there's nothing wrong, please hear this, there's nothing wrong with come sit and learn and trying to get poured into, and I understand all that, but I honestly believe there's a place where we can all pour out. Let me give you a really, really neat word. Pastor Rick shared this with me probably about five years ago when we first kind of got running together, and I love something he said. We were in a mentoring class, and we were talking about some different things just pouring in, and he said, you know, he said, uh, it's kind of come in my heart this way, is that we all need a Paul a Silas and a Timothy in our life and I thought okay what are you saying and he said a Paul that's pouring into us a Silas that we can run with and a Timothy that we can pour into did y'all catch that because Paul was a, a, a spiritual father that poured in, right? Silas was somebody to run together with and share with, and Timothy was somebody to pour into. Isn't that cool? Because it, it completes a cycle in us. And he, he talked about that a little bit, like we're incomplete when, when one of those parts are missing, but he really believes that God will bring that into our lives if we ask for it. And there's a completion. In that. I think that's a great word. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, just something to share. So... Poor Timothy. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, well, yeah. I just uh, I, I approached uh, Pastor Don yesterday about after uh, after his talk on favor and mm-hmm. uh, the, the favor of God and things like that. And so while while he was talking, I was I was getting some thoughts and I was kind of mowing through some things. And one of the thoughts that I uh, kept having was looking at Jesus. Okay, Jesus grew in favor of God and man. And then how did that change his life what then followed in his life after that uh was it material blessings was he you know he know he was he was a man called without a home you know he he didn't he didn't know where he was going to lay his head he didn't he had the favor of god right but it didn't replicate in uh necessarily material blessings in that form uh and then also just looking at paul you know someone like paul um he uh, and actually last night uh i did a a word study on that on favor where it says that um, uh, Jesus grew in favor of God and man. I looked at the word favor, and the word favor is used many times in the New Testament. Uh, and every time it's used, it's used for uh, it's used in several different ways. Sometimes it's used to mean grace. Sometimes it's meant to use thanksgiving. So that helps us get a, a good view of what this word favor actually meant. But um, something interesting that uh, in Second Corinthians, Paul says, "May you have the grace of God." Same word that favor was used right there, talking about Jesus that he grew in favor with God and man. So may you have the favor of God. And then it goes on to say to go through. And it actually mentioned persecution and it mentioned all of these things to go through. Where the favor of God is actually, uh, Paul was saying may you have the favor of God to actually not stay away from these things. But actually go into them. Actually have these things in your life. And the favor of God pushes you through them versus avoiding them it's an empowerment it's an empowerment indeed and mm-hmm. so um some of the things that uh, i was thinking is and, and and i don't know i don't know if this is and this is where the holy spirit uh can reveal to each and every one of you individually what uh what he wants to reveal but for me i'm mowing on and i don't know if the holy spirit has necessarily sealed this thought yet but 
Pastor Don was talking about dominion, right? He was talking about unconditional dominion, how we have it. It's part of who we are in Christ. It's part of our identity. And we choose where we put our dominion. We choose if we're going to give it to the devil. We choose if we're going to give it to darkness and let darkness determine things in our life. Or we take back what Jesus has given us and we live in it and then we actually give it out. And then how does this then relate to... uh, other areas, and one of theirs, you know, was favor that we were talking about. What if God almost gives us unconditional favor, in a sense, where he gives us favor, he said, I will give you favor, it is yours to have, and it is yours to run in and function in, but then we decide where we pour that favor in. We decide where we're going to put that favor, and one of the analogies or, uh, that, that, I, uh, that I think a lot of things about is at the end of the upper room, or not the upper room, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about fruit, and he talks about good fruit, and he talks about bad fruit. Um, and then he goes on to talk about people that are going to act like Christians or look like Christians, but he says when they get up to, uh, when, when they see me, I'm going to say, I do not know you, and they will not enter. So he's talking about this whole thing of fruit, good fruits and stuff in your life. And then he concludes the whole the whole thing, which the whole upper or the whole um, Sermon on the Mount is just all these things of good points and bad points in your life, how your life is supposed to look. Da, 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 da. And then at the very end, he says, "The wise man." He goes into talking about the wise man and the foolish man building on that rock or on the sand, and he says. Um, you know, the wise man builds his house on the rock, which is eternal things that don't fall away. And then the foolish man builds on sand. Well, what the Lord spoke to me there is he said, Shane, I didn't give you the blueprint. I didn't say follow this blueprint and make this, this life, make this building. He said, it, you are building. I'm building with you. I've given you an ability to create, to live, to function. Now you choose if you're going to do it on eternal or you choose if you're going to build on non-eternal. So you choose the blueprint. I didn't, and, and, and honestly, the materials, what do we use to build? That's what, the, that's what the entire Sermon on the Mount was about. The materials you use to build on eternal. The truth that you build on. Because he says, if you build on my word, you are like a wise man who built on a rock. Because everything you build then is eternal. So then with this idea of favor, okay, with things that the Lord's uh, showing me and kind of challenging me in, with this thing of favor, He's promised favor on us. He's promised favor. Now the question is, are we going to then unleash that favor? Are we then going to focus that favor and have faith for that favor in things that are not eternal or on things that are eternal? So, um, and how that is challenging me personally is Paul talks about how the grace of God, the favor of God has enabled him to go through amazing difficulties and amazing trials and struggles. He was taking his favor and Jesus was taking his favor that God had given him and not putting them on worldly things, meaning not making worldly things be where he's putting his favor, but actually putting his favor in eternal things, meaning Paul saying that the favor of God enables me to go through places that no one else could go through. Go through things that the world is doing to me. Basically, I'm able to go into darkness, and darkness is able to attack me, but never overcome me, never stop me. And that's the favor of God in my life, that no matter how many times darkness tries to encroach on me, tries to poke me, tries to stop me, nothing can actually stop me. And he saw that as favor of God. And so with favor of God, in my mind, we need to define where we're going to be putting our favor. What do we see as favor in our life? Is it 
physical blessings that then we never have to worry about you know material things anymore so then uh, then our material lives are in a state of peace and rest and we don't have to worry about it anymore and that's what favor is or is favor actually being able to go through darkness so it, it all depends and it's all you know that's where I totally say the Holy Spirit needs to reveal to each of us where he wants us to put our favor but our favor uh, is uncon- in, in my mind, is unconditional. We have it. But then are we going to be building on the sand with it? Or are we going to be building on the rock? So, Cool. Good word. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Thanks. We're good. Um, the, the, the whole concept of what Shane was just sharing, really, as we were talking, I thought, man, I, I want to clarify some of those things. And I thought what he did was very, very well. Watch what's watch this. Because sometimes when we think about favor, we, our idea of favor is, well, I got two cars and a white picket fence, a two-story house. You know what I mean? 2.5 kids. You know, I don't know what that looks like. Okay. <laughs> got a little half kid running around. Okay. I don't know. You know what I mean? But, but, but the America, living out the America, what we would call the American dream, right? And we think, oh, that's favor. And sometimes what we've looked at is, you know, boy, boy, he's got favor. Look at the blessings in his life and all that kind of stuff. And I see favor more as an empowerment. And I think there's something to that because we think, well, if we had favor, we wouldn't have any trouble. Well, if we had favor and favor meant we didn't have any trouble, then boy, God must have been pretty mad at Paul. Right? Beaten with rods, stripes. You realize that the 39 stripes Jesus took, Paul took them three times. The rods that Jesus was beaten with five times, Paul was beaten with those rods. Come on. He must not have had any favor if that's the way we would see favor. They stoned Paul and left him for dead. Now, our idea of favor is, well, they would have, the rocks would have came and then they would have just fell about a foot short of them and just landed in a big pile. And all the people would have ran away because they saw three angels with flaming swords behind them because the favor of God was on them. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's so, I think there's an empowerment. Favor says that in the midst of whatever's going on, I can keep a smile on my face and a joy in my heart because I'm walking in the favor of the Lord. One of the neat stories for me is this. And it, it probably was an incredible lesson for me. One of the happiest people I met, a little old lady named Lizzie Wright. Lizzie's gone home to be with the Lord now, but I was pastoring in Waynesburg in the mid-'80s and uh, met this lady. She came to church. She was probably about five foot tall and five foot wide. She didn't walk to church. She waddled. That's how she walked. And it was just a, a really neat little old lady. And she was one of the happiest people on the planet at that point in her life. Her husband had died. She had a son that had died. She had another son that was an alcoholic. And, uh, and then, she had a, then she had another son. She had three sons. One had died. One was an alcoholic. And then Eugene was around. He'd come and hit and miss and visit with her and stuff. But he did kind of take care of his mom. But in the process of that, well, guess what I'm trying to share is this, is that she had been through a whole lot of stuff in her life. I got to know Lizzie pretty well. My kids looked at her as kind of a grandma figure. And Lizzie was just a doll. And then I found out that with all the joy in her face and everything that went on, she had her garden, she rented a little house, and, and just a pretty neat lady. And Lizzie had, the joy of her was in, the, in this garden. And she made quilts. Some of you understand quilt, and she was a quilter. She loved to make quilts. And she would sell these quilts, and it was important to her to sell the quilts because she actually lived on Social Security. And her Social Security was just a hair over 400 It was like $402 a month. And I could even imagine living on $402 a month. But she was one of the happiest people on the planet. And I realized she ate out of her garden. 
She was very simple, very frugal. She sold a quilt now and then to do special things. She loved to help people anywhere she could. She kind of ran the social hall for the church, you know what I mean, ran the kitchen. And she was just one of the most happy people on the planet. And she always had a smile on her face. And I could have looked at her and gave you 78 reasons why she should be frustrated and angry. But she chose not to. And I realized then the favor of God was on her life. That God would bless her $400 more than he might bless your $1,200. If that makes any sense to anybody at all. Because it did to me in that day. It was just a, was a huge revelation to me. Because her joy was, she had a contagious joy. You know what I mean? Even when she was going through tough places, I'd go down to visit her and she'd cheer me up. You know? <laughs> and I'm a pretty happy guy. So I'm thinking, wow, you are like amazing. And it was just, it was one of them, it was, can I say that? It was one of those contagious things. But the favor of God was on her life. That to me is an amazing thing. And we need to understand that as we look at favor, that we understand that favor isn't about material blessings. It's not about, it's not about how much money you might have in the bank or what kind of car you might drive or what kind of house you might have. There were all kinds of things like that that we could focus on if we chose to. But here's the deal. The favor of God is an empowerment that brings us through the circumstances and situations of life with joy and a smile. Does that make sense to anybody when I look at that? And I think about that. So I want to talk to you about that just a little bit deeper if I can. And, and if we're going to do this, let's go to Colossians 3 because there's something that's rising up in my heart right now. We'll come back to, remember that we were talking about hearing the voice of God and we'll come back to it. I'm not sure where we're all going to get to today and there's a couple of things. And Sue, if you will remind me, I need to make a commercial for the next school but at, at, right after the break. Okay? Cool. Um, let's go to, uh, I'm sure that's where I want to go is Colossians chapter 3. Okay? Yep, I was right. 3 and 3. Okay, this is a neat verse, and, and, and I'll, I'm going to give you a neat story now, okay? But go to Colossians 3 and 3. Let me read this verse, and then we're going to talk to you real straight, okay? He said, for you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You're dead. I, I'm sure that in the past several weeks with Pastor Dan here, he's talked to you about being dead. I, I think I'm going to talk to you real plain and tell you that as a pastor, um, I've been dead at least 100,000 times, it seems like, you know. It seems like we're, we're in a, we're, I'm, I'm in a place and I'm thinking, man, this is it. I got it now. I'm dead to myself. I'm alive to Christ. And I'm, I'm in a good place, the best place I've ever been in my life. And, and, and just, just about that time, uh, somebody comes along and messes with you and you have a resurrection. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I can remember when I first heard Pastor Dan, because it was probably about five or six years ago that I first heard Pastor Dan preach on unoffendable, and that, that he was unoffendable. And I thought, what do you mean you're unoffendable? And, and he was preaching about, uh, yeah, and he's preaching on this, I'm being unoffendable. He says, there's nobody in this room that even has the power to offend me. And he said that, and that offended me that he said that. It's <laughs> just like, I got really offended. I thought, well, you ain't pastoring them. <laughs> And we went through this, and it's, it's really true. I mean, it really rocked my world. And I, I, I began to think about this concept of being unoffendable, and I thought, this is a good word. And I'm reading that, you know. I actually preached that a couple of weeks ago without offense because, uh, because I, I really think that I think we can live that. I really do. But that was the catalyst that launched. I'd never gone for that if I didn't know it was possible. Pastor Dan sparked something in my heart through the scriptures that said we can. And then we went to the scripture and with Psalm 119. It's one of my favorite texts in the Old Testament now. Verse 165 is the text. But he says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. 
Isn't that cool? Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, I, I will tell you, I, I still get more comments about carrying that fence than I, probably any message I've preached in a long time. Um, but here's the deal in that. I want you to think about this for a minute. He sparked something in me that caused me to want to rise up and be that. Do you understand what I just said? It, it's, uh, thank God for the people that, that raised the bar in our life. That raises the bar. Tell us it's attainable. Why not go after it? If it's available, let's do it. If it's there, let's go after that. You know what I mean? There's some things that have catalyzed us to launch us to go after something that maybe you wouldn't have gone after before. But anyway, in the process of that, I guess what I was talking about is he he says this about being dead, and there's a place where we where we got to really die out to ourselves. And that's what he's talking about when he says you're dead and your life is hidden Christ in God. There's a place where we die out to ourselves. And we realize that it's not my life to live. I've given this life to Jesus. It'll be six years ago this August that I was left for dead uh, in a physical way. Um, August 22nd, we had a, uh, had a, a friend of some people that, are, that still attend church here. Um, I had a Honda Goldwing, if you're familiar with the Goldwing, that I had gotten from this guy. And, uh, he had a trike. He wanted me to try it out and see if I, I never rode a trike, three-wheel motorcycle. And it was, really a, it was really a motorcycle with a trike kit. I don't know if anybody understands that. It doesn't even matter. It's kind of irrelevant. Had a tow bar on the back and the saddlebags and stuff. And I never rode a trike. And if, you've, if you're a biker, but you've never been on a trike, it's a world of difference. You know, because you lean a bike, and how many know you can't lean a trike? Okay, but this is a whole story, and it's like awkward and weird. And anyway, I picked it up in the morning, and I went riding, and Doug McGreevy was here, and him and I went and did some riding together. And I come back, and had a pretty busy day. And I've been, been, riding, been taking care of a bunch of business back then. I had an old Lincoln Town car. And uh, anyway, I was going to go home, and I thought, man, it's a beautiful night. Was, I was here at the office, and it was probably about 9.30 at night. Maybe not even that late, maybe a quarter after nine, something like that. And uh, it was, I mean, stars everywhere. It's just one of beautiful mid-August nights. And uh, purposed in my heart, I thought, man, I'd like to take that trike for a ride now. And I called Pastor Lori, and she'd had a pretty long week, and, and, and uh, she was actually getting ready for bed. And I called her, I said, hey, I said, you, you want to go for a ride on this trike? I said, it's kind of neat, I like it. And she said, well, she said, I'm kind of getting ready for bed. I said, man, the stars are out tonight, come on, baby. <laughs> Anyway, and, we'll, and we purposed to go down toward um, Cadoras. I told her, I said, man, come on, I'll pick you up. We'll ride down through Cadoras, and we'll see, see what all's going on. And uh, we were living down in South Hanover at the time, and that's a whole other story. My daughter and her son, or her husband, rather, had sold their house. They got a contract on their house, went to buy another house. Then the house that they were going to try to buy, actually, the whole deal fell apart, and it was a weird situation But the, the, because it had a contingency clause. And I won't even get into all that, but they weren't able to go into the house they were going into. So now they sold their house, couldn't get out of it, and couldn't get into the house they were going into. So they ended up moving in with us. And they had, uh, Kylie wasn't born yet, but they had Keegan and Caleb. So now Keegan and Caleb and Nicole and Brian had come to live with us. And we were all living there from, for quite a little season. And 
Frankly, one day I said to Lori, I said, I'm running away from home. You want to come with me? <laughs> so, so, so we got a little apartment down in Hanover and let them have the house. And we didn't tell them. We moved out three days later. They said, hey, where are you? Okay. <laughs> it was kind of fun. Anyway, in the midst of all that, we were living in South Hanover. So we were down there. And that's, I picked, I come down, I picked Josh up. Actually, Josh was, was there. And I picked Josh up. We went for a little ride, brought him back. And, and then uh, combined, I picked Lori up. And we went for a ride. And we went down through Cadora's spot the lake you know and and kind of through the projects if some of you know what I'm talking about just beautiful down there and uh I wanted to, uh, having a pretty good time, we're thinking about maybe buying it, but I wanted to fill it up with gas before we took it back to them. So we went over to Spring Grove. There's a Rudders in Spring Grove, and some of you might be able to be familiar with some of the territory. Filled up with gas, and we're coming back up, and uh, as we were coming back up, I said to her, I said, hey, I said, do you want to go get something to eat? And if you remember the old South Hanover Diner, I think now it might be called Little's, but it was called the South Hanover Diner at the time. And... Um, I said to her, I said, do you want to go to South Hanover Diner and uh, get something to eat? And she said, yeah, I could probably eat something. And it's about maybe quarter after 10 at that point, so we're coming. And if you can picture in your mind, some of you that are familiar with the territory around here, we, we were coming up 116, we turned on to Grandview, and we came up to the light at Grandview, and then we turned right on 94. So at that point, we're coming now, we're coming north on 94. There's nobody behind us, we're coming up the road, and we got to the South Hanover Diner, and as we were sitting there, um, uh, there's about seven cars that are coming south, if you can follow that, and we're going north. And uh, so I had the clutch in and, and, and popped down into first gear. And I was sitting there with the clutch in, and I'm looking in the diner because there's glass windows, and there's all kind of people in there. And I'm, my mind is here. My mind is, do you want pie? Or do you want cake? Or do you want a sandwich? And the next thing I knew, I was, woke up in New York Hospital in the trauma unit, and there was a guy stitching my head. What I didn't know was any of the story because I don't remember any of it. Everything that I'm going to tell you now was pretty much told to me by people that were on the scene. But a drunk driver came behind us. He was driving a Jetta. He was 21 years old. He was driving one of those low-riding Jettas, and the nose of it was very, very low. The bike that we had had a, a, a tow kit on the back, had a tow bar on it, and the nose of his Jetta went underneath the, the back of the trike, if that makes sense, which launched Pastor Lori and I into the air. Uh, it pushed the bike across the road. I told you there was about seven cars that were coming the other way, and one of them smashed into the bike, and it went into pieces. It's now a paperweight somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but we ended up laying on the yellow line. Um, I didn't know any of this. Uh, she would tell you Pastor Lori never lost consciousness, which was a pretty freaky thing for her. Um, when we hit the ground, uh, it's kind of interesting. She says, Pastor Lori would tell you, that she could see, because there were two giant mirrors on either side, two big mirrors on either side of the bike, if that makes sense. And looking in the mirror, she could see that car coming, and she thought, he's not slowing down. He's not slowing down wait a minute, he's not slowing down. And she saw that it was going to make an impact, and she said she screamed, Jesus! And she said she honestly believes at that moment that the Lord released angels from heaven because we're here today. And I told her, I said, isn't that amazing? There's a myriad of angels in heaven. And I got a clumsy one. Drop me on my head right there. <laughs> what's, what's up with that? <laughs> but, but anyway... <laughs> but in the process of all that, here's what happened. It's kind of a neat story, and it comes back to this verse in Colossians, and I want to talk to you about favor. In the process of that, what happened was 
is that we launched, neither one of us had helmets on, which was wrong, but it's legal in Pennsylvania, you don't have to wear helmets, and that's a new law here, but we really didn't have any with us, and that's kind of the reason we didn't, but in the process, what happened was uh, she landed, and she pretty much landed on her tailbone, and she couldn't move, she was pretty much paralyzed from the waist down, she couldn't move, and she's laying on the line. I'm probably about eight feet from her, and I'm face down in a pool of blood because my head wound has gashed horribly. Uh, within moments, uh, Pleasantville Fire Company is there. Two cars behind that Jetta was a CNA. It's a little girl named Liz Moore. You could ever talk to her. Some of you might know Lizzie, but she used to attend church here. I think she's related to... Oh, she's related to Tom Moore. Uh, I was thinking she was related to you, Sue. She, you guys related? Just friends. Okay. But anyway, uh, it was his daughter. She's a CNA, and she knew me, and she got to me right away, put a compression thing on my head, and then the EMTs got there. Um, the EMT, I went to her house a week later. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But her story was she was picking pieces of my skull up off of the, of the uh, yellow line. Uh, in the process of that whole deal, uh, they now have called a helicopter to come and get Lori. Uh, and they're going to put her in a helicopter. She is awake. She is screaming my name, but I'm not responding. I haven't responded. I guess evidently I've had some conversations with a couple of people, very light. Uh, Liz was one of them. When the EMT got there, she just kept saying, you're not going to die, not on my watch, not on my watch. You're not going to die on my watch. And I don't remember any of this. So I'm just telling you, I went to her house to get the story. But there's been people that have been there and they've kind of shared with me. And here's what happened. They were getting a helicopter for Lori. And as they're putting her on a stretcher to get her into the helicopter, um, they said, we're going to call a helicopter for the man. And they said, no, we're not calling a helicopter for him. He's not going to make it. He won't live. Now, Pastor Lori heard that. So now she's screaming and crying. And you can imagine her feelings. She's going to lose me. What's up with that? Okay. <laughs> okay. How much insurance? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> but, 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 I don't think your mind went there at all. Actually, I'm probably worth a lot more with the insurance. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in the process, the deal that was is that they left me there. Uh, I, am, I am not responding. And... Uh, for whatever reason, they said, let's bring another helicopter in. So they brought a helicopter in. And when they brought the second helicopter in, um, they loaded me up and flew me to York. I can tell you this, that I woke up in New York Hospital and uh, I knew they were stitching my head and I thought I could remember that something, tra something had happened, uh, just little vague pieces. You know how your mind just kind of scatters? And I said, man, what's going on? And they said, you were in an accident, just lay still. And I said, I was in an accident. I said, yeah, you were on a motorcycle. I said, yeah, I remember. And I knew Lori had been with me. I said, is my wife all right? And the guy said, lay still. She's a whole lot better than you are. <laughs> And I said, okay, she's going to be okay because we're in two different trauma rooms. They got her in one trauma room and me in another trauma room. Here's the deal. They left me on the road for dead. And the last minute, they decided to get a helicopter. What I will tell you that's kind of really, really cool is that night I was treated and released. So was Pastor Lori. We didn't spend one night in the hospital. As a matter of fact, I got about a dozen or so stitches in my head. It was more of a suture. And I had a broken thumb. And outside of that, everything else was fine. Other than... Uh, 
when we went back to the doctors a week later, he said, how are you doing? And I said, man, you see that right there? And he said, yeah. I said, that don't hurt. Everything else hurts. <laughs> Everything hurts. <laughs> but, but in the process of that, I went back. It was a week later. That was a Tuesday night, late Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Um, I went back the following Wednesday. What's kind of cool is the EMT that was there that was treating me, the EMT that worked on me the most was a woman. She lives down in Littlestown. She was a partner, actually. If some of you know Donna and Tony Pritt, Donna and Tony come here. Their son, Jason, is uh, the EMT's partner. He was not on call that night, but he knows her very well. He brought me to her house a week later. I walked in the door with Jason. He said, uh, he, said he called. He said he, he, he called to tell her he was stopping, and he didn't tell her he was bringing me. And uh, when, when I walked through the door, she totally freaked out. She totally freaked out. And she said, you are not standing in my, there is no way you're standing in my living room. I said, yeah, honey, I think I am. And I'm laughing. And she said, there is no way. She said, I'm picking pieces of your skull up off of the yellow line. There is no way. She said, I kept saying, you're not dying on my watch. There's no way. She said, I've been doing this for eight years. The best I could have hoped for for you was either brain dead and a vegetable or at least a quadriplegic. There is absolutely no way that you're standing in my living room today and she is freaking out she's got one of them big pirate birds what they call them a macaw and the macaws go over there going rock, rock. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, I'm laughing and I went to this verse right here I'm dead and my life is hidden Christ in God do you understand that when it's not your life and when you understand what that really is to have a surrendered life that it's not my life and you know what I believe that there's a place where we can say my life is hidden Christ in God that's an amazing verse to me it became a, a real strong scripture in my life at that point because here's what I thought of I thought Satan you took your best shot and you failed and all it did was give me a greater tenacity to do the will of God it rose up inside of me to the point where I said you know what I've been I've been all out before but I'll be more all out now than I've ever been before it's kind of like if you've heard Pastor Dan talking about the three Hebrew children who went into fire they knew God before they got into fire but when they came out of the fire they came out with a greater testimony and a greater revelation I'm gonna tell you something I understand what this means when it says my life is hid in Christ in God that's a very powerful thing to me that lady was freaking out and it was just kind of fun to watch her and I started just preaching to her about the goodness of God and the fact of the matter is it's not my life I gave it to him I believe if we whatever here's here's what I believe I heard Bill Johnson say this to him whatever we give to him he will faithfully protect and guard whatever you keep for yourself you're on your own good word whatever you give to him he will faithfully keep and guard Whatever you keep for yourself, you're on your own with that. I'm convinced there's truth to that. So I want to encourage you with this idea. When you see the scripture in Galatians, or Colossians 3 and 3, and to me that's a really strong verse. Watch this. I want to give everything I can to him because whatever I give to him is hid in a vault in heaven. The only way you can get to it is through him. <laughs> Yay. And if, we, and if we understand that and that becomes a reality to us, then you know what happens is? In the midst of that, a week later, you can be standing in somebody's living room freaking them out because <laughs> there's a reality to that. I don't know how that affects everybody else. I can just tell you this. When it was all said and done, it just gave me a greater tenacity and a greater strength with a, with a tenacity to say, God, I'm going to move forward and tear the devil's kingdom down. I honestly believe, and most of you that know me know a real strong text scripture for my life is 1 John 3 and 8. I believe it's every Christian's job description, destroy the works of hell. 
For this purpose was the Son of Man manifested or revealed in your life. Why? That you would go and destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that really what it's all about? So, so with that, when you see the power of God working and flowing, that to me is just an amazing truth. And we see that you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I'm a dead man. You can't kill a dead man. <laughs> Yay. It's like double jeopardy or something. I don't know. Anyway, the idea is, is if you're already dead, nobody can kill you. And, and I'm just convinced when my life is hidden Christ in God, the only way you can touch me is to go through him. Does that make sense to you guys? Because that's really important to me that we get that. There's a reality of just saying, wow, God, you're pretty amazing. So we got treated and released. We come home actually four o'clock at morning. They sent us home from the hospital. I, I, I stand on that with the idea of this is that I've wondered if, if we weren't where we were in Christ, would there be two tombstones on the south side of Hanover? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I can't tell you that that's absolute or not absolute or anything. I think that's not even my call to make, but it sure runs through my mind a whole bunch of times. Yeah. It's a pretty good day, and I, I'll just stop and I'll tell you this. Remember that I said a little while ago, um, it's, it, there's a place where we're hearing the voice of God where we're trying to understand him. And I used a phrase that I love. I believe that God wants to share his secrets with his friends. There's a place where God wants to speak to us in an intimate place. If we can understand this position, and please hear this in the right way, over and over the scripture relates to us as the bride of Christ. Am I right? Are, are we the bride of Christ? Yes. Do, do we even have an understanding of what that's like? Because I've got to tell you something. There are things, I love you guys. Like, like I, have, I have a pretty good relationship with a whole bunch of you in here, and I, I think it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? I, I love Rachel. There's things I could talk to Rachel about. I might not talk to all of you about. I might talk to Rachel because I feel pretty close to Rachel, so I'm just using Rachel. But I would talk to her about things that I'm, I, I might not talk to Terry about because I know Terry some, but I know Rachel a lot better than I know Terry. Does that make sense? So I'm talking to Rachel about some things. But you know what? There's some things that I'll only share with Lori. You know why? She's my bride. Do you understand what I just said? There's some, there's some secrets. Catch it the right way. Because my life's really an open book. But, but there's some secret things that I'll talk to Lori about that I won't talk to Rachel about. I love Rachel. But I don't love her the way I love Lori or I'm in trouble. <laughs> if I do, don't tell Lori. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, but watch this. You understand what I'm saying? And, and y'all understand that, right? Okay? <laughs> yeah. So when you see Pastor Lori say, I know a secret. No, 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 don't, don't do that. <laughs> okay. okay, but watch this. But, but catch it all in the right way. And I think you all understand where I'm at. Is there, there are things that I'll share with my bride that I won't share with everybody else. Even though I might love everybody else, there's things I'll share only with her because she's my bride. I'm telling you, there's things that he'll share with us that he's not going to share with everybody. Because that's a place of intimacy. Make sense? Now, it all comes back to being a dead man. So I want to talk to you about this. Go to Psalm 91. It's, again, incredible scriptures here. But if we talk about this, let's talk about it real open-like. I think there's a place where we start to understand the reality of, of living this, this kind of life and purposing in our heart. There's some things there.
If I'm called to destroy the works of hell, and I believe that's the job description of every one of us, then there's a place where intimacy has to take place. Because I'm going to draw my strength from intimacy. In that intimacy, there's a place where God speaks to me and I hear him. That's kind of why I was talking to you about what are you hearing from the Lord. I just believe we've got to start hearing from God on a regular basis. I believe there's a place where we can hear from God regularly. I really think there's a place where the church can walk in power. Um, wow. We were in the plaza, so it would have been probably maybe 98, somewhere around there. When we started down the plaza, 97, we started in the plaza. It was probably a year later. Anybody ever hear of an evangelist named Freddie Clark? If you follow any southern gospel or country gospel, there's the Clark Family Express. That's a bunch of his kids. And I'm not, I don't know all that, but I do know Freddie. Had Freddie come. I didn't know Freddie Clark, but some of the people that came to church that with us knew Freddie. And uh, Mel Weaver is a pastor up in Elizabethtown, really good guy. And he, Freddie was coming up there, and I called Mel, and he, he set it all up for me. But long story kind of short, Freddie Clark came to the plaza for about three days, right? Now, I went up to see Freddie Clark at Mel Weaver's church when he was there before, and I watched this guy. And he went through the congregation, and I will tell you that he pulled about 30 people out of that congregation and just read their mail. And I'd never seen that before. I could tell you something, totally freaked me out. How many know if you've never seen somebody operates in word of knowledge really, really strong, that'll freak you out. So he's reading mail on people. I mean, he pulled this woman out. This woman was dressed to the nines. I mean, she looked like J.C. Penny catalog, you know, in the, in the rich section. You know what I mean? It dressed jewelry and, I mean, hair just so in beautiful dress and just a very nice lady. And he pulled her out there and he started just reading her mail and talking to her about a cancer that was found in her and a bunch of different things and some of the fears and things. And she is just bawling. She's the first one, right? And she's just bawling. And that, that wigged me out because I never saw that. And she's crying and he's saying, is what I, he says, have you and I ever talked? Have we ever met each other? And she said, no, but I was in a service where you preached three years ago in Tennessee. Okay, so she, he doesn't know any of this stuff is obvious. You know what I mean? And he just started telling her all this stuff. And it totally wigged me out. The second person he pulled was Kelly Rowe. Now, Kelly Rowe was there with me. She was my worship leader. There's about a dozen of us that went together. But she was my worship leader in the plaza. And he starts telling her, there's three things that are going on with you. And he talked to her about this thing uh, in her head that she's got like a nasal drip kind of thing. Well, on the way up, you know what Kelly told me? I got this thing in my head and it keeps running down my throat. It's like a nasal drip. And he's telling her that. Now, I know she has never left my side. It's not like they went and had this conversation because I'm skeptical about some stuff, right? Okay. And I mean, uh, and, then she, and, and then she had a bad knee and I knew that she had a bad knee because she's had a bad knee for a couple weeks. She's been complaining about this knee. Kelly and I were very close. And then he started talking to her about some other things that were going on with her in a, in a woman function, uh, you know, that she was having some difficulty womanly and, uh, and they just kind of said it that way. I didn't know anything about that and was kind of glad. Okay. Thought the whole congregation didn't need to either, but that was, that was it. And he's, I've never seen this because I've never seen a word of knowledge operate like that. Totally freaked me out. Totally freaked me out. Pulled 30 people, some suicidal, crying. I mean, God just doing amazing things. It totally messed me up. I haven't come here. I'm thinking, this guy's amazing. I'm going to see what he does. The first person he pulls out of the congregation when he's here is my daughter. Okay, now at that point, she's pregnant with Caleb. And he says to her, he says, uh, okay, 
He says, do you know me? And, and, and of course, he doesn't even know she's my daughter. And because he, he does this, this uh, for the congregation's sake, he says, have you and I ever had a conversation before? He says, she said, no. She says, no. He, he says, do you know, do, do we know each other? Do we have any kind of relationship? She said, no, but my dad's the pastor. <laughs> I don't know if she was scared or what. So anyway, in the process of that, he begins to talk to her and he says, let me tell you what the Lord's telling me. And he starts telling her, you're waking up every night in the middle of the night and you have this terrible fear about your pregnancy that things aren't gonna go well. And I thought, boy, I thought this guy was good, but he missed it because that's daddy's little girl. If that was going on, surely she would have told me because I know that's not happening. And she starts bawling, yeah, I haven't told anybody. I'm like, oh, man, you are so messing with my head, guy. Because okay. I've never seen, I, I, I didn't understand this whole word of knowledge thing, right? Does that get to you like it does to me? Does that, because I've watched people do, Ryan, who's very, very close, Ryan's like a spiritual son to me. I knew Ryan when he didn't know nothing. Now, he's more accurate on this whole words of knowledge thing than probably most people I've ever met. And I'm like, put your hand right here, but right, right here. Because, okay. because, this, to, like, there'll be times, can I say this? I don't know how this works with everybody else, but for me, I'll be in a prayer line. God will download stuff to me. I can talk to you. I get some things like that when we're in the, we're in the, uh, but I want it in Walmart when you're walking by the little old lady who's pushing in her cart. That don't happen. That happens to these guys. I, I want that. I think that's waitresses that come in, you know what I mean? And different things. And it's just, it's so cool when that happens. But I believe that can happen on a regular basis. Why? Because I believe God wants to share his secrets with his friends. Watch what I'm going to tell you. If as a pastor, I go to a church and I see that operating, I realize that's available. There's something that rises in me, because I'm, I'm real big on this idea. If it's available, why aren't we all going after it? If God's got it and it's a gift from God, why wouldn't we all want it? Do we think it's just for a select handful? Because I'm not thinking, I read this whole thing about not being any respecter of persons. So I think this, if it's a gift of the Spirit, because let's call it what it is, but words of knowledge are a gift of the Spirit. Are they a gift of the Spirit? You have the Spirit? You have the gift. I don't know if everybody understands that or not, but I really believe you don't just get the Spirit and some gifts. <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense to anybody, but I'm going to tell you something. When the Holy Spirit comes, He brings everything with Him. So we may operate freely more in one area than another. You follow what I'm saying? But all of it's there. So I think we have a right. Watch what Paul says. Paul actually says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Do you know that when he says covet earnestly, the word there is actually lust for? Yeah, it really means, he says, go ahead and lust for them gifts. See, that's, that's what you're allowed to lust for, right? There's a place where we ought to be lusting for the best gifts, where we ought to be, where we ought to be after that. But I, get, I think this, if I as a pastor, spirit-filled, spiritually-minded, kingdom-minded pastor can go, and that freaks me out. Imagine the impact that could have on the world if we were all walking in that. Yes. Like you're just walking through the mall, and you say, ma'am, come here. Can I take your hands for just a minute? And you just start reading her mail. Because that, I'm going to tell you something. It freaked me out. I bet it freaked most of the world out. I love it sometimes because there have been a lot of, I won't say a lot of times, there's been, there's been quite a few times where that happens to me out in the public and I love it when it happens because you know what you usually get? How did you know that? Isn't that cool? Was anybody here Sunday morning? Some of you guys were here Sunday morning. Young Hunter, Hunter, did you also? Hunter shared his testimony right at the very beginning of service. And it was so cool because he's, I think Hunter's probably about 17, 18 years old. Am I close? You know, about 18. Okay. And, and Hunter comes and shares his testimony. He's out last week and he's, and he's asking God for some of this stuff, right? And he works in a golf course. 
So he's mowing tees, if that makes sense to any of you golfers, you'd understand. And he's out there, and there's this lady there, and as he gets close to her, his arm gets in severe pain. How many of you know that could be a word of knowledge? Right? He's standing by this lady, his arm's in severe pain, and then, and then and he feels that, and he walks away, or she walks away, and the pain goes away. Then he gets over by her, and the pain comes back. That's a pretty good indicator God's up to something, right? Because you can be pretty thick and still get that one. Okay, <laughs> okay but watch this. But watch this. Because it can. It can freak you out. Though. But come on, come on. Because the truth is it can freak you out. Then you've got to do something with that. Yeah. How many know if you're not used to doing something with that, you've got to take a big step. Yeah. But if we'll take that step, I honestly believe God will honor that. And there's some things that we've got to just purpose in our heart. I'm not going to be afraid to take the step. Hunter got bold. And he went over and asked the lady. He says, he says do you have pain in your arm? I'm going to tell the story the best I can remember. Do you have pain in your arm? And she says, yeah, I do. How do you know that? How do you know that? And he said, well, he said, the Lord told me I'm supposed to pray for you. Right? Now that's a bold step for a guy who hasn't gone out and prayed for people. Make sense? That's a bold step. Watch this. The lady says, oh no, man, not for, that's not for me. That's not my, I think he used the phrase, that's not my cup of tea. Right? Okay? And she doesn't want him. And he says, well, the Lord's really wanting me to do that. And she say, no, man, I, it's, not, it's not for me. It's just no, you know, whatever. Well, watch. And she kind of all but pushes him away. Right? You follow what I'm saying? Verbally pushes him away. So he decides, okay, if she doesn't want me to pray for her, there's nothing I can do about it. He goes back, goes to start his mower, and he can't even pull it because the pain in his arm is so severe. And the Lord's saying, I told you pray for her. Go pray for her. <laughs> right? So he goes back over and he says, honey, I got to pray for you. You know what I mean? And it's, if you know Hunter, he's just, he's not, he's just, he's got big puppy dog eyes. How do you say no? Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so he's like, and she's, so finally she consents for him to pray, takes her hand, just prays, releases faith. You know what happened? She totally freaked out. He said when he took her hands and began to pray for her, he felt like he went up to about 105 degrees. He said he could just feel heat everywhere. And God's moving, and now all of a sudden this woman's moving her arm around, and she's going, what did you do to me? What did you do? It's exactly, didn't, isn't that what he said? What did you do to me? And he's like, it's not me, man. It wasn't my fault. Okay? It's like, you know, I mean, come on. It's Jesus, and he loves you. You know what I mean? And it was just kind of amazing. But watch this. There's a place where he took that step of faith to release that, why? Because God was speaking to him and he was sensitive enough to know that's God. Yeah. Do you understand he just didn't say, oh, I must have a Charlie horse because we could try to write that stuff off. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story because you need to know the rest of the story. Here's a woman who has a torn rotator cuff. He asked her, he said, what was, what was going on? She said, I had a torn rotator cuff, but I knew I was going to have to live with it because I don't have insurance. Because I had insurance and they cut me off because of some pre-existing, I don't even know the whole story. But anyway, she wasn't even qualified for surgery or anything. So she purposed in her heart she was going to live with the pain. But because a young man hears God through a word of knowledge of pain in his own arm, responds to that and God shows up. And honestly, what I believe is that he took a huge step that wasn't easy. Come on, it wasn't easy for him to take that step. But he takes that huge step and God says, oh, I so want to honor your faith. And just shows up in an amazing way totally freaked her out. It wasn't her cup of tea last week, but I'll bet it will be this week. Because <laughs> to me, that's an amazing thing. Who has the mic? Oh, right behind you. Patty's right behind you. Just, but there's, a, there's an awesomeness to that. And, and honestly, it's just responding to what we're hearing. Everybody okay with that? Follow where I'm at. Go ahead, Patty. This is just a piggyback on that. I don't know if Hunter had told you or not, but his mother... 
but she goes to our church. She, she had a, a miracle. She had a, a healing the week before. I mean, she's totally healed of something she's had all her life. Dallas told me that. Did they? I, I was just wondering if they told you about that. I mean, she she has something. I don't know what was all. It, it was in her stomach or um, with in her intestines. Right. And they went to take something out eight years ago, which would have made her have a bag on, on her the rest Glossary, of her life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she she wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, two weeks ago, I guess it was Pastor Reddy was just praying from the pulpit. You know. Uh, healing mm-hmm. and she felt it but she didn't want to say anything to anybody she felt something going on with her but she didn't want to say nothing mm-hmm. she said evidently she can't go to the bathroom okay, okay? Um, I don't know what she has to go through with that but she had an appointment with Dr. Thomas on Tuesday which she went in he said how you doing she says I'm great she says I'm healed he says you're what she says I'm healed he says well Jump up here on the table and we'll find out. So he starts examining her belly, you know, with his, whatever you call it. Yeah, that's it. Stethoscope. And uh, he said, I can't believe it. The eight places in her stomach was totally open. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're healed. He said, what church do you go to? <laughs> yeah. And so she said, ever since, she's been able to go to the bathroom every day. That's amazing, isn't it? After a long period of time, prayer. And what it was is she didn't have any bow sounds, and now there's all the bow yeah, sounds everywhere. Was, the bow that they, sounds, sure, yeah. Dallas actually told me, uh, Hunter's brother. But I think that's amazing. I think that's cool stuff. And what's going on is God is moving. Here's the deal. We just got to be open to listen and hear. What I want to tell you this is, and the reason I even said, what are you hearing from God, is I believe this. We've got to stay in constant communion with the Lord. Make sense? I think there shouldn't be a day that we're not hearing something from God. And the challenge is this, that if you have the ability to hear from God to radically impact your world, why wouldn't you be doing it? You understand what I just said? Do you understand what I just said? Who's ever been in a prayer line where somebody came by and had a pretty incredible word over you and it changed some things in your life? Come on, every one of us probably at one point or another, our world got rocked because somebody heard something from God and spoke it over us. Why wouldn't we want to be the agents of God hearing from him and rocking somebody else's world? And I don't think it's not that we don't want to. We've got to incline ourselves to that. You know, David says to Solomon, my son, incline thine ear unto me that you might hear what I'm about to tell you. I I think there's something about, what does he mean, incline your ear to me? He's saying, pay attention. It's the verily, verily. Do you understand? That's what Jesus said. Verily, verily, pay attention. Look at here, boy. Okay? There's there's truth in this. And there's a place where we just got to kind of open up our heart and be sensitive. And that's one of the big prayers in my life is, God, I want a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. I want a sensitivity to hear what you're saying, to to see what you're doing. And God, give me a sensitivity so I know there's a spiritual, I want to say, there's an awakening that's even in my heart so I can hear you. I want to tell you how that's going to happen. Remember a little while ago I said God shares his secrets with his friends? Come on. Every one of us lives in that realm. Come on. I I told you a little while ago there's things I'd tell Pastor Lori that I wouldn't tell anybody else. But I've got a circle of people that are close. Can I say that we all have an inner circle around us? 
Okay, I'm going to share stuff with Pastor Rick and Pastor Dave. I'm probably not going to share with the rest of the congregation yet because maybe it's some things the Lord's mulling over in me and maybe there's some things I just feel uh, there's something I want to share with them. So there's a, there's a place of an inner circle. Can I say that, inner circle? Is it okay to have an inner circle? Because if you think it's wrong to have an inner circle, you're going to have a problem with Jesus. He had one, right? Come on, you'll find that Jesus over and over takes with him three disciples. Who's he take? Peter, James, and John. Right? Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. And we'll find when they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, who goes up? Peter, James, and John. They come into the garden. There's 11 of them now because Judas is gone. Eight of them hang here. Three of them go a little farther. There's a reason for that. That's not in there by accident. Okay? They were ready for the morning. He was pouring more into them. There's a place there. He shares his secrets with his friends. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants to share his secrets with his friends. There's a place where you can hear God on a regular basis. But what I want to tell you is Psalms 91 has an incredible truth to it. Watch this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you want to hear his secrets, get to the secret place. Come on. If you want to hear his secrets, get to the secret place. I think there's a reason he called it the secret place. I think it's a pretty incredible word, the secret place. Because if God got some secrets he's wanting to share, I'm getting in line. I want to hear what he has to say. There's a place for us to hear the secrets of God. But where is it? It's in the secret place. God wants to share intimate stuff. He's going to share intimate stuff with his bride. But you've got to avail yourself to it. You realize Pastor Lori and I are married 31 years. That's a long time. In marriage, you share life together. So what we purposed was that we're going to do this thing. I married my best friend. She's still my best friend. I want her to be my best friend. Are there days when you don't feel friendly? (laughs) But here's the deal. You sit down, you communicate, you work through stuff, right? And you stay best friends. Here's the deal. One of my best friends, when it was a, 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 a three of us that were ran together as kids, there was Rob Gray, Tom Sellers, and myself. And Rob was my best man. Janet was her maid of honor. They got married about a year after us. They're still married. They're doing great. They were best friends. Tommy, who was the next one in my, you know, in the line of ushers or whatever, married Joyce Green. And Joyce was in Lori's side, and they came together. They got married about a year after Rob. Now, watch this. Tom, Joyce Green, Joyce, Joyce was probably one of the most beautiful girls I've ever met in my life. You understand, my graduating class in high school, 1,007 kids in my grade. 1,007, so that's a big class. And in the middle of that, Joyce, is, is, uh, she, she's the, the tornado princess. They get married. But here's what happened. When they, the tornado princess was, we were the Butler High Golden Tornadoes. So the tornado princess was like the senior queen. You guys would be more familiar with senior queen, okay? But, but so if you're, if you're winning, come on, it's a beauty contest. Call it whatever you want. She won, okay? That's really what it is. And she won. So we're not talking about any, you know, she's, this girl's just drop dead gorgeous, right? And Tom is a great guy. He was my sparring partner when we were boxing together for a long time. You know what I mean? And, and just huge, physically fit, just a great guy. And what happens is they got married and they didn't make their first anniversary. Why? Because they got married for all the wrong reasons and they weren't best friends. 
And here's what happened. On Monday night, he went and played pool with the boys. And on Tuesday night, she went dancing with the girls. And on Wednesday night, they bowled together. But Thursday night, he was in a men's league. And Friday night, she was in a women's league. And I can't remember their whole story. I know a lot of it. But the truth of it was is they were each building their own separate lives, but they weren't building an us. Does anybody understand what I just said? They weren't building an us. They were building a, he was building a him and she was building a her, but they weren't building an us. And what happened was they went their separate ways all the time. How many know you can't build a marriage that way? Okay, let's talk about that in a spiritual sense. Come on. You understand what I just said? You can get full of religious activity and have absolutely no intimacy with God. Do you understand what I just said? We'll talk about that later on then. We'll talk about intimacy versus knowledge. Okay, because it's a choice Adam and Eve made. But I want to talk to you about this because it's a huge deal. When we see this, what I find is with Tommy and Joyce, and, and I hope they're watching this because that means they're real spiritual now. Okay, <laughs> but, but, but in, the event, in the event of that, here's what happened is they were building individual lives without doing anything together. Do you understand that you can be so full of religious activity and you're doing your thing and God's doing his thing, but you're doing nothing together? Yeah. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah. That's a strong word to me. If you want... To hear the secrets, you're going to have to get in a secret place. I, I hope I'm making sense. I, there's a microphone here somewhere. I got you. Bless you. Yeah, bless you, man. It's on. There's been different times that I've had conversations with Holy Spirit. And what I've come to find out is I'd ask him pointed questions on certain things. And about how comes he operates this way in some people and he operates another way in other people. He says, I only, uh, I only go where they allow me to go. Yeah. It's the same thing as God gives us a choice, a will. And God's not going to you know, change that. He will not go beyond what we choose in our own life. Holy Spirit says, you want to have fun with me? I'll have fun with you. If you want to look like a starch cookie, you'll look like a starch cookie with me because that's how I am. I, will, I respect what you want in your life. So what you're saying is what I've been after for years and, and been doing it because some of the best things that he's told me brought me the best work I ever had in my life. Okay. Because I listened to what he was saying. I didn't jump on it right away at times. I mean, months, there might have been a month or two went by before I said, okay, I'll go check this out. But when I did check it out, it was the best thing at that time in my life. And some of the best things that have ever happened in my life was because following him and listening to his voice and building that relationship with him. Okay. Let me, let me, let me cover that because I think there's a good word here is this. All the limits are on our side. All the limits on God are on our side because yep. he's unlimited. Do you got that? Yeah. We put the limiters on. It's up to, really, it's, it's, we're the ones that do that. Um, when I read this, there's a, there's a scripture that kind of just jumped in my heart, and I hadn't even thought about this, but it, Jesus, I, I believe the scripture says, had the spirit without measure. Does that sound right? Let's say without measure. And there's something about that to me that I'm wondering, where are the limits that we put on God? And, and I think about that because, I, honestly, I believe we can flow in as much as, we, as, as much as we're ready to receive. Is that okay to say that? You know, there's a time, and I looked at this because I, I've, I've prayed about this. Because um, I think, if, you, if, you, if you've ever listed the 12 apostles and you can do the thing in your name, when you start to think about the 12 apostles, do you name them because you remember a song? 
I don't know if anybody does that, but I do a lot of stuff by, you know, there are 12 disciples, Jesus called to help. Did anybody know this? No. Oh, wow. Okay, who can name the 12 apostles then? Just raise your hand if you think you can name the 12 apostles, but no, I might call on you. Shame on all of you. <laughs> you should have learned the song. <laughs> okay, anyway, we'll get into all that later. Okay, here's the deal. Um, but, but let's go. Who's ever heard, what do you hear about Bartholomew? Okay, we hear about, you know, come on, because we, we hear about Peter, James, and John, right? James and John, sons of thunder, let's call down fire, we're going to burn up Samaria, you know, <laughs> because what spirit are you of? We, we, there's a lot of things that we hear about some of the disciples, but why does he take Peter, James, and John instead of Andrew and Bartholomew and Nathaniel? Y'all follow what I just said? You know, do you ever think about, does, it, does your mind go through that? There was something about them that they availed themselves to him. And I hope that makes sense to you. Because I promise you, it'll radically change your life. If you get that, it'll radically change your life. The truth of the matter is it's being able to, I purpose in my heart to avail. I'm going to go all out. If I'm going to pour myself out for him, I'll bet, I'll bet he'll be receptive of that. But if I'm going to hold back, then he's going to hold back. I honestly believe the less I hold back, the less you hold back. The more I pour out, the more he'll pour out. I think he's going to meet us where we are. I think that's kind of even what Anthony was just saying right there. Is as we pour ourselves out, he'll go as far with us as we'll take him. I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, let's go back to Psalm 91 in my head. I just can't get away from it. Watch this. He that visits the secret place. Doesn't even say that, does it? It says dwelleth. He that dwelleth. Right. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide out in the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. There's a place where we purpose in our heart, man. I'm not just coming to visit. I'm coming to stay. See, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but we've all quoted the 23rd Psalm at least about a whole bunch of times. You've heard it over and over anytime you ever go to a funeral or whatever. But we, we understand this and watch what this, you know, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a pretty good phrase right there. I'll never be in want. You know what I mean? Makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still water, leads me, watch this, here's an interesting thing, but if you look at it in the King James, it's leads me in the paths of righteousness, not just path. One a singular path. Doesn't say leads me in the path of righteousness. It says paths. Because I, I, I believe there's I believe there's several paths. I, I believe there's financial paths. I believe there's cultural paths. I believe there's I believe there social paths. You understand? Not sociopaths, social paths. Okay. <laughs> okay. But but as we walk these things out, he says, leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. They says, Yea, do I walk through the valley of shadow of death? I'm gonna fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's pretty amazing stuff right there. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I love that verse. That verse has really jumped on me in the last couple of months. Because I honestly believe that when I'm surrounded by trouble, when I'm surrounded by enemies, I think it's just God's excuse to have a picnic with me. <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? Come on, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. God, so let's have a picnic. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think that's amazing. That's probably a really good way to look at life. Okay? But then what does he say after that? He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Right? I love that. Oh, I've got to talk to you now because I'm way out here on a tangent, but I've got to go with this. Do you understand that when he says, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over? David's talking from a shepherd's vantage point. 
Do you know that they rubbed oil on the sheep's head? Can I teach this real quick? Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks for permission. Okay, this is cool to me, but watch this. You understand that in, in, in the custom of the day and where they were in the time, and understand that the, the area, it wasn't unusual for a shepherd to take olive oil and they would rub it. I think it was a mixture of oils, but there was olive oil in it. There were some other oils in that. And they rubbed it on the sheep's head. There's a reason they rubbed it all over his head. Because in the area, they had what they called tsetse flies. And they were, they, they were commonly referred to as nasal flies. And what they would do is they would fly up the nose of the sheep. And they would actually even build nests there. And what would happen is the fly would be in the, na- in the sheep's nose going, and it would drive the sheep, and they would start rooting. You'd see a sheep rooting in the ground with his nose pushing. Why? He's trying to get the flies out of his nose. And then what would happen is as they buzzed more, it got to the sheep, and the sheep would start running around because he's trying to get this out of his head. So he'd be running here and there. And pretty soon it would get to the place where it would start to drive the sheep crazy, and they would just get on a wild run and actually run over a cliff or run into a tree and break their neck and it would kill them. So the, she, so the shepherd would rub this oil on the sheep's head and it put off a smell that was repulsive to the fly. So the fly would come over there but he wouldn't land because there was a repulsive smell and it would fly away. It wouldn't stay because it was a repellent of a, do you understand? Almost like an insect repellent if that makes sense to anybody. When he says, thou anointest my head with oil, that fly was like little demons that were coming to drive you insane. And what it was, was thou anointest my head with oil. There's a place where God's covering, God's Holy Spirit upon us, keeps the demonic influences from our life. Yay, God. (laughs) Which has nothing to do with what I'm teaching you, but it was really fun. Okay, okay, watch this. Here's where I was trying to go. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What's the end? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, wait a minute. David lived in a castle because he was a king. So why does he say, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord? Because he wrote this, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I love this because there's something to this where David said, wherever I am, it'll be the house of the Lord. Wherever I am, it'll be God's house. Wherever I am, God's coming with me. What he just said there is, I won't go anywhere without you, God. I won't do anything without you being in the middle of it. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. Wherever I am, it'll be God's dwelling place. Isn't that cool? See, what I, I read that in the Old Testament, I think, man, David said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, you are the house of the Lord. <laughs> Come on, because he dwells in me. He's in me. There's a place there where it gets pretty exciting for me because I understand this now. It is, I, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to be anywhere. I don't want to do anything that he's not involved in. So there's something about that that so rises up in me because I believe, and watch this, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to challenge you with this, but I believe we can live every day in constant communication with Jesus and our footsteps can be ordered of the Lord. I'm absolutely persuaded. This so rises up in me. Several years ago, I just decided, Lord, I want to dance with you. He said, let me lead. If you're going to dance with Jesus, let him lead. There's a place where he can guide your steps. There's a place where we can so walk with him. I know that because he said it. 
I only do what I see the Father do. I would to God that I could tell you everything I do, God told me to do it. I keep trying to tell Lori that. It doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> it's not my fault. God said so. Okay. No. But, but watch this. In the midst of that, and I want you to catch this because David had an understanding. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Watch this. He says, I'll say of the Lord. I'll say of the Lord. He's my shield. I, I love it. Okay. He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Okay. I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge. This is my hiding place. I want to get his secrets. I'm going to the secret place. He's my refuge in the secret place. I got to the secret place and he's my refuge. I got to the secret place. He's my fortress. I, he's my God. And you know what I love about that? Three times he says, my. It's almost like David took this thing personal. I think we ought to get it personal. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. It should get personal. He's not just God. He's my God. He's not just a fortress. He's my fortress. He's not just a refuge. He's my refuge. Do you get that? That, that? that my sticks out to me really, really huge. Surely he'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He'll cover me with his feathers and under his wings. I'm going to trust. Do you get this? Because that's the way I read it. I can't read it with that. I, with, I can't read it about you. I'm going to read it about me. You read it about you if you want to. <laughs> But I got to read it about me. Then he says something I think is huge. And his truth will be my shield and my buckler. Did you catch that? I underlined the word truth. His truth is going to be the buckle that holds this whole thing together. His truth is going to be my shield. I want to know the truth about him. I want to know his truth. I love this stuff, man. Drop down to verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, my habitation. He's my habitation. Do you see the word habitation? He that dwelleth will have a habitation. Do you understand? Habitation and dwelling place are the same thing. I'm going to live there. I'm, I'm going to live in a place where he's my refuge I'm going to live in a place where he's my fortress. I'm going to live in a place where he's my strength. Why? Because I've been to the secret place. There's something about you and I getting into the secret place with God. Because it's in the secret place he reveals his secrets. I'm telling you over and over, man, if you want to know the secrets of God, get to the secret place. If you want to know what God's up to in the earth today, get to the secret place. If you want to know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, what's, what's, come on, because you know what I get all the time? I get this as a pastor. You can't believe the number of people who come to me and just want prayer because they want to know what does God want to do with my life? What's God want to do with me? What's God, you know, I want to know what's God. I think you're so in love with the Lord that you would do anything God asks you. You just want to know what's God want. For most of you in this room, if God asked you to go to Siberia next Tuesday, if you knew it was God, you'd be packing parkas. You would. You'd do it. You'd go because if you knew that's what God wanted, you don't know anybody in Siberia. You don't even have a clue how you're going to make it. But you know if God wants me there, he'll take care of me. And you'd be packing your bags, finding parkas. You'd probably get a good sale on them in July. You know, come on. <laughs> but here's the deal. There's a place 
where we, where we come to that, you know what I mean? Where we come to understand that. You want to take that back to Shiloh? Here's, here's what I'm thinking in my mind. Th- this is huge to me, and I want, to, I want to walk you through this. He that dwelleth in the secret, if I want to know the secrets that God has for my life, then the way I'm going to find out those secrets is what? I'm going to get to the secret place, because God doesn't want to keep it a secret from me. But he wants me to get in a secret place where he can reveal his secrets. Go ahead, honey. Um, yeah, this is kind of funny, but... Um I graduated from high school last year, and I went off to college um, in the fall of last year. And I was only there for a semester because um, I just had, like, I felt like the enemy was attacking me, and I I really just needed to come home and kind of get refocused and just kind of wait on God's timing. And um, it was so funny because I was in my room one day, and this verse just popped in my head. And, I mean, I grew up learning verses and stuff, but I didn't know, like, exactly where this verse was. And um, I had been starting to play the piano a little bit, and God kind of gave me this song, and it was just um, the words, just the first part of this chapter. And I'm right now I'm just, like, waiting on him to know exactly, like, what I'm supposed to do in my life, and um, that is my heart cry right now. And actually, two nights ago... Um, he gave me another song and like I cannot play the piano by ear or anything but he just gave me a melody with it Um, and he just saying like I'm your potter and you're my clay and I'm going to make you in the way that I want you um, to be for me and so this is so funny because it's just like this is everything that is kind of what God's speaking to me, and I didn't share it earlier just because that's not me. But <laughs> I think it's so. kind of cool to watch this because it's huge. And, and, and just what Shadow's saying is, watch what she's saying. I'm really just, I'm wanting to hear from God because I don't want to take a step that he hasn't ordered. But watch this. I don't want to just sit here in my rocking chair either. Y'all follow what, would most of you agree? That's so true. Come on, who's in that boat? That's a, that's a pretty big boat. I want to do what God wants me to do, but I don't want to get ahead of him, but I don't want to get behind him. I want to walk with him. But sometimes the challenge is, God, if I'm going to walk with you, tell me where I'm supposed to be walking, right? Come on. Well, like a letter in the mail would be a nice day. <laughs> here's, here's today's plan. You know what I mean? And it doesn't come that way, but there is a place, and I honestly believe this. This is so where my heart's at right now, that we come to an understanding of this. If I want to know the secrets of God, I guess I better get in a secret place. And one of the challenges that we have, and please hear this. This is so, this is so big in the church today. And I know this from 30 years of ministry. I'm telling you straight up. The biggest problem that we have is we spend a whole lot of time in activity. Do you understand what I just said? Come on. And I don't even want to call it religious activity, but there's probably a phrase to that. We get a whole lot. We're, we're, We're glad to be doing stuff for him. But what about just spending time with him? We've got to learn what it is to look like, what it looks like in the secret place. I can tell you from a pastor's perspective, one of the greatest challenges that I have is carving out that time with God. Do you understand that? Watch this. If you're going to give God the time that you have left, you won't have time left. You either got a purpose, man. I'm getting up an hour in the morning. I'm getting up. You've got to carve out that block. I, I hope that makes sense to you. And get into some kind. And, and watch this. We can, there's a challenge to that. Because I'm going to talk to you about something that's real plain. And then we'll go to break. And I know it's time. But this is so in my heart. I can't stop right now. I want you to hear this. This is vital that we catch this. There's a place where. Um, and I've heard people talk about this. I don't want to get into devotions where it just becomes mechanical. 
Everybody understand what I just said? Because now I'm just doing another religious activity. So the church has kind of drifted from the idea of carving out that block of time in the morning and going through the devotions and everything else because we were afraid of mechanical. You understand what I'm saying? Where it becomes mechanical. Here's the other side. Do you know why we're called disciples? Because we're disciplined. And if we don't have discipline in the church, we got nothing. You need to hear me because this is really, really clear. And I'm probably talking to people all over the world, but I want you to understand this. This is a huge thing. The church is in a, a this well, rises up in my heart. There's an epidemic of this where we've gone to the place where, well, come on, I don't want to do anything mechanical. So I'm not doing my devotions like that anymore because now I was just going through Christian mechanics and praise God. Now I'm free. Guess what? Now you've got no discipline in your life. Do you understand what I just said? I got news for you. There's a place where you can do devotions and they don't have to be mechanical. They got to be personal. So don't just, I'm not just reading for the sake of reading, but now I'm taking that time and it's personal time because that's where your intimacy comes in. If you want to know the secrets from God, get intimate with him. That's where your intimacy takes place. But if we don't carve out that time, I promise you, it's not just going to happen. It's not like at the end of the day, oh good, I got an extra hour. Now I'll go spend some time with God because there isn't such a thing as extra time. I'm telling you, spare time is like extra money. Neither one of them exist in my life. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? It just isn't there. It's figments of the imagination. The truth of the matter is if you want to make it happen, you're going to have to make it happen. But we carve out that time and we block that and that becomes very special time. My kids grew up with the idea they knew there were times when, when dad's door was closed, you didn't even go in. You didn't even think about going in. They knew, they, for, for a long time, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, I was in the office and you didn't bother me till after midnight. That was my time. And they knew that, but there was morning times and different things. And those were my times with God. And they didn't, the girls didn't even bother him. Lori would get phone calls and she'd say, you know what, you're just, you're going to, unless it's, a, if she knocked on my door, if it's Saturday night and it's 8.30 and she knocked on my door, I knew there was an emergency or the house was on fire. Something was going on. We've got to carve out these times. You've got a purpose in your heart. Your daily time alone with God makes all the difference in the world. If we don't take that daily time alone with God, I promise you, we won't know the secrets that I'm talking about right now. I, I will share this with you. This is really, really strong in my heart. You could spend an hour. I'm going to say this. Watch this. You're spending your alone time with God. You're reading. You're studying. You're praying. You're, you're just spending your time with God. Now, and it doesn't have to be an hour. Please don't think that. I, I use that phrase. I, I, I don't have a timer. There was a point in my life. Can I say this? This is transparent. There was a point in my life where I put an egg timer in my room because I wanted to at least spend an hour. Whoever heard Larry Lay's book, Would You Not Terry One Hour? Y'all, anybody know that book? That was, that was a pretty big book, phenomenal, a few years back. So I thought, man, I've got to spend an hour with God, so i got an egg timer. That's the dumbest thing in the world, okay? okay? But it was a 60-minute timer, you know what I mean? And I, and I thought, well, now I'm going to know I'm going to at least spend an hour with God, you know? And you're praying, you're praying, you're looking over to the timer, 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh, I thought it was an hour. You know what I mean? I don't want to put God on that timetable, right? Y'all follow what I'm saying? But there was a place in my life where I realized, man, I've got to be spending more time with God. And I knew if I wasn't, Satan was going to come along and eat my lunch. So I thought, man, I'm purposing in my heart that I've got to take this time with God. Watch this. But here's the deal. And what I want to say to this is, and it's really, really strong. If you don't make that time happen, I promise you, there'll be 75 other things that'll steal that time away from you. You understand what I just said? If you want the secrets, you get in a secret place and you carve out that time and you spend time with God. What I was trying to say is it may be that in that time, you didn't get any huge revelation. You didn't get any spectacular stuff. 
But all of a sudden, you know what? Later on in the day, you're standing in the shower. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And in the shower, revelation just smacked all over you. I'll tell you what, it didn't come because you were getting clean in the shower. It came because you spent the time with God earlier and now the revelation's coming. It's like, it's like the reward shows up. I hope that makes sense. I, I promise you, most of the sermons I, I preach here, I get in the shower. I know that sounds totally weird and I don't want to mess you up. Please don't, don't even get a visual, please. Okay, but, but, but in, 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 in my mind, so I'm just going to talk to you about this. But here's where we're at because the truth of it is, is that I think it's, I'm in the shower. I think that's when my mind finally shuts off. Because your head spins all the time. You know what I mean? It might be different times like that. Or maybe you're just sitting in the big chair. And you're really not in prayer. And you're really not in a devotional mode, if that makes sense. But all of a sudden, revelation just starts pouring out. It's amazing. But I believe that comes because I spent time with him in the secret place. I hope you understand that. I hope that's clear. You all right with that? Okay. I'm going to let Jenny and then we're going to break, okay? Okay. Thank you. All right. This goes on the opposite side of us, okay? I hung with a bunch of occulted kids, uh, young, young people, men and women, and uh, at Walmart where I worked and got to be good friends with them. And Bob Hazlett even had, Anthony has a recording that, that's a calling on my life, okay? And um, I was probably the only one ever allowed to be in their lives that would really like just uh, nurture them. I'll say it that way. But I was allowed to pray with them, pray for them, record blessings and hand them to them. I prayed for one young man's um, wrist to be healed carpal tunnel and God did it and gave him some words prophetic words that he wasn't even supposed to be working there and he went on he listened to all that and I learned from hanging with them I learned that, that even though they're in an occult they are well trained well disciplined they did their work extremely well they they grouped together and they worked in such synchronicity that they were able to work out give them a job to do and bam you could count it done Okay, there's something to be said about that. And it's, okay, why can't we get that kind of discipline? You know, and what they do is, yes, they are well-disciplined. I think if the church grabs that and runs with what you just said, we're there. And okay, we're, I understand we're, we're now. We're, you had me lost there for a minute. I'm thinking, okay, what are you doing here? Okay, but, no, no, but no. I got you now. And there's a place where we, where we understand where God calls us to disciplines. And we, we went through this movement in the church. Please don't hear it wrong, but it was almost like, well, disciplines restrict us and we're called to be free. I got news for you. We're called to be disciples and disciples have to be disciplined. Um, again, not, not trying to point in any direction or anything, but if you remember David Hogan, who was just with us, is an incredibly disciplined individual. And he told me that there's never a day that he doesn't, he doesn't read because he doesn't read real well. He has all of his Bible on tape. And uh, when I say on tape, CDs and whatever, or else on his, he's, oh, this guy, he got the new, what's the, what's the new book? The iPod 3 or 2, or iPod 2, he had an iPod 2, and, and, and he's, he's got it all recorded on there. And he actually listens to 30 chapters a day. And he said, for the last couple of years, I've listened to 30 chapters a day because I want that word so saturated in my heart. There's a discipline for that. But if we're going to walk in the miraculous, if we're going to see God's hand, if we're going to get the secrets from heaven, we've got to get to the secret place. We've got to be spending time with God. We've got to be spending time. And if we're not spending that time, I'm going to tell you something, man. We're leaving ourselves vulnerable, and we're going to live a life that's not as fulfilled as it could be. 
There's a place for that. We're getting to the secret place. Come on back after 15, 20 minutes. We'll get together. Uh, you'll hear the bells. But uh, we'll take a break right now, and then we'll go from there. Uh, and uh, I'll take us to a deeper place. Fire. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Hey, if you can get your seats, we've got to get rolling because it's after 11 already. And um, <laughs> Praise God. All right, everybody good? We're going to get started. There's a couple of things I want to do. Um, commercial break. Let me give you a commercial break real quick. You might want to write some dates down uh, because uh, I'm going to talk to you about the next school, okay? And I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Um, for those of you that might be interested, it'll be a fall school, uh, and I'll give you the, the rundown, the teachers, everything that's going on with that, okay? We're going to actually start in October. If some of you are familiar with uh, Global Awakening, they do a conference called Voice of the Apostles, Voice of the Prophets. Voice of the Apostles, I believe, is the one in the fall, and we're actually starting the week right after that, but it will be starting Monday, October 24th, Okay? And actually, Todd's going to be teaching. He's going to start us out there, okay? But we're going from Monday, October 24th, uh, through Thursday, December 1st, okay? It'll be the same thing Monday to Thursday from 7, or from, uh, yeah, from 9 to nine to 12. We could start at 7, but Todd wouldn't be here. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't tell him I said that, okay? <laughs> but uh, but uh, let me give you the lineup of the teachers. Uh, Todd's going to be teaching several days. Uh, Todd White. Um, Bob Hazlett's going to be teaching a week. Uh, there's a guy from, from Washington State uh, that's going to be teaching. Bob's actually doing the week of Thanksgiving, so he'll be three days, that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. We won't have class on that Thursday. Um, the guy from Washington State I mentioned the other day, uh, Scott Chang, who wrote the book, The Rhema Code. Uh, incredible, incredible book, just a gift from God, and just really enjoying some time, getting to know him some. Uh, he'll be teaching for us. There's a lady coming in from California. You probably haven't heard of her. She was new to me. I actually listened to several of her CDs and some things really have enjoyed some time talking with her. Cheryl Leonhardt hooked me up with her. This lady's name is Rabia Lamort. Rabia Lamort. And uh, pretty interesting testimony. God rocked her world. She was Hollywood. Um, she had a, a role on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you remember that, she was one of the characters there. Uh, she was a dancer for Prince for years. She was his lead dancer. Uh, beautiful lady. Uh, and then Jesus came and she was seeking New Age religion. Uh, so she met up with uh, some spirit-filled Christians and got her world rocked and she is toast. And it's pretty cool. And she's really big on identity. And her and I have been talking back and forth. She's been watching. She's actually been watching a whole bunch of our services. She goes... You guys rock. I can't wait to come out there. I said, I like you. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, but she's going to be with us a few days as well. Uh, we'll have a good time. There's an old comedian. Some of you that are old like me, you might remember a guy named Mike Warnke. Mike's actually going to do a day with us as well. Uh, some of you might know him. And his world's been rocked back and forth a few times, but he's doing really, really well. Had a chance to talk with him. Him and I are pretty good friends. Uh, but some neat stuff going on there. So uh, should be a lot of fun. Okay. Looking forward to it. It'll be a really neat school. It's a short school, so the cost will be $200 in-house, $100 online, uh, but it's going to be a pretty neat thing, and I think you'll really find that it's very, very beneficial. So I'd encourage anybody that want to be a part of that, uh, that you can. Uh, those are the dates, and uh, let's see how that rocks, okay? It's Harvard. It's called Living Number Two. 
Well, it'd actually be number three if we were kept putting numbers. We did the first one last year. So, yeah, we just call it school. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, October 24th through December 1st. Okay. Everybody good? 1024 to 12 1. Everybody good? Yeah. Cool. Yes, dear. Oh, it, it, will still, it will still stay along the line. Uh, again, all the schools that we do, the basis behind the school is always identity. Because in my heart, I believe 100% it's all about identity. We need to understand who we are as sons and daughters, okay? What, what I've done with the first school and with this school, I've had Pastor Dan sharing his heart more on that than anybody because Pastor Dan, I think, has one of the strongest identity messages there is out there. The guy is phenomenal, okay? These other guys that are coming, it'll be Todd will be doing several days, Bob will be doing several days, Scott will be doing several days. It'll be more of the same idea, but from a different vantage point because we all, you know, I could preach, a, you can give me eight scriptures, give those same eight scriptures to Todd, give those great, same eight scriptures to Dan, give those same eight scriptures to Rick, give those same eight scriptures to Dave, give those same eight scriptures to Lisa, give those same eight scriptures to Ryan. We're all members of the same house, but every one of us is going to preach it differently. But it'll come, the message still stays solid, but from a different vantage point. Does that make sense? So hopefully you'll understand that. But I would tell you, uh, all these guys, you know, if you spend any time with Todd, he's intense. Todd is absolutely intense. You spend any time with Bob Hazlett, he's scary prophetic. Uh, I tell people, don't sin and hang out with Bob. He'll know. Okay? <laughs> just know. Okay? Uh, and Scott Shang has just, uh, is amazing. And his, his understanding and concepts, he does a school out in uh, Washington State that I've kind of looked at some of his stuff. And him and his wife, Lori, are coming. They're actually bringing a whole team with them. They're going to come and be a part. We're going to use them for the weekend as well that they're here. Uh, Robia has a different view on everything. And I love her heart. It's just amazing. And uh, so we're going to have a really, really good time. I would just encourage you, if it's in your heart, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing, I think probably when it comes down to it, I'm going to be filling in between them all, and I think I'll end up with a few more days than any of them, but none of us will have a big chunk. We're all just going to have small chunks, if that makes sense. So it'll be a pretty good variety. I uh, don't know what your schedules might look like, but uh, internet will be available the same way. So uh, I think it's going to be a pretty amazing trip. I'd encourage anybody to be a part of the journey. Okay? Okay. Here's what we're doing. We're talking about some things that I actually, uh, can I, again, we're talking about transparency. We're try, trying to stay hearing God in the midst of that. I was teaching, feeling like we were getting to a place when Shiloh began to share her heart, something was rising up in me. And I felt like we needed to get into a place of prayer where we actually prayed before we went to break. But then things got extended. Then uh, I saw hands raising up and we kind of did some things with that. And honestly, I believe we kind of, there was a point there where we should have probably had prayer because of our own thing. I want to take us back to that place. I'm going to show you. I'm going to set some groundwork, but then I'm going to pray over the group and then we'll kind of go from there because I don't want to shift from this. I feel like God's speaking and we don't ever want to miss that, okay? Watch this. I had an incredible piece about that to pray right then and then we got sidetracked. We went over a couple other things and I I found that, wait a minute, that's, that's, a, that's missing now. What happens, and I'll te- just teach you a life lesson, but if you found your peace and then you were missing, like you felt like the peace was missing, back up where you lost it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
back up where you lost your peace and go again. True story to share with us here. Had a couple that were here. They were a very, very integral part of the church. They felt like they needed to go to Rama. They went to Rama Bible Institute. Good school. Nothing wrong with Rama. Kenneth Hagin's ministry and some good things there. But uh, in the process, they went to Rama. They got out there. Uh, they got, they were excited. They, were, they felt like, boy, we need to come back now and take, bring back what we got. Bring it back to harvest. God was moving in their life. They're incredibly happy in Oklahoma. You follow what I'm saying? And God's doing amazing things. Bought a house. A couple things going on. Then they purposed in their heart that they felt like, well, we're supposed to be back here because we had supported them. And I told them, we're supporting you with no strings, man. Just go and be a part of the we're, we're investing in the body of Christ. We're investing in your life. Whatever God wants to do with you, no strings attached, right? But they felt compelled because they loved me, and I won't get into all that, but it was a, you know, a good connection there. And I said, well, if you feel like that's God, they come back. And from the time they came back, they were back for a year. It was one I want to say calamity after another. Can I say that? Uh, things didn't go well here, there, whatever. Jobs weren't going exactly the way they should have been. Some things were funky. And, it's, and, and he's telling me with tears, he's saying, man, I feel like ever since we came back, it's just been like we've hit one brick wall after another. I said, man, you get no peace. I said, go back where you lost your peace. They had a house that they had bought back in Oklahoma. They had rented it out. And you know what he did? They ended up telling the renters, we're going to come be moving back in. Things happened. They were able to transition, got back in Oklahoma. And guess what happened? All their peace came back. They fit in. There was amazing things that came together. I'm telling you, there's a place where you just follow your peace. Does that? I hope that makes sense. But there's a place where you learn to follow your peace. And that makes all the difference in the world. Every decision I make, I got to tell you something. I make decisions, major, and I make a lot of major decisions because of my position as a senior pastor and different things. But I do that all the time where the scripture says, let peace be the umpire in your scripture, in your decision making process. Um, Colossians says it and Galatians says it's in both, or Philippians rather. But in both places it says, let, 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 watch this, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It says that in Colossians, isn't it Colossians 3? Uh, let the peace of God rule in your hearts might be 4. But watch this, what he's saying there is, he's saying, let the peace of God, and actually the word there is, be the umpire in your making decisions. There's a place where peace makes those decisions. You follow where I'm at? So we get into that. Okay, so with that thought in mind, I'm going to go back to a place of peace. Go back, get your Bible, as a matter of fact, and go to 1 Corinthians 12. You're making decisions. I see you right, and I'm sorry, I apologize. But there's a place where we're making decisions. Peace has to be the umpire in the decision-making process. And I guess I should clarify that with this. If I've got to make a decision, Lord, do you want me to do this? And I have a peace about it? I got, yeah, that's a green light. But there's sometimes where you get what I call a check in my spirit or a red flag. I can't do that. I might not even have an explanation why I can't do that. I just know I can't do that. There's no peace to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a great way to live your life. Okay? Go to 1 Corinthians 12, which has nothing to do with peace, but has everything to do with gifting. Okay? Watch this. We were just talking a little bit ago. Uh, and we kind of covered a lot of ground as we were talking about trying to just follow the will of God in our life and be able to do. And Shadow brought up some things, and that's where my heart was really moved. As she talked about, I was out in college, Indiana, felt like I needed to come home just trying to hear God and what he wants me to do. And we've talked a lot about a whole bunch of things. And watch this. In the process of that, we've talked a lot. We, we, we talked about just, just flowing in prophetic gifting. We talked about words of knowledge, some different things like that. And as we were talking about that, I was sharing about Freddie Clark and how words of knowledge. And we see some of these things, and, and, and we've, kind of, we've kind of looked at that. And I'm going to say this. We have amplified in the church today the charismatic gifts. When I say the charismatic gifts, the gifts we can see, the, 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 there's words of knowledge and prophecy and different things of that nature, and we've talked about that. And you'll hear a lot about words of knowledge, and you'll hear a lot about prophecy. But I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to show you a couple of things. We'll talk to you from my heart, and then we're going to pray, okay? He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. 
You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. I think that's pretty strong, actually. <laughs> Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, I, he threw that in there. Now, watch this. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Everybody understand what that is? Holy Spirit operates the gifts. That's what he just says. And they're, they're administrated differently in people's lives. Two people can operate in word of knowledge, but they can do it very differently. Right? Hunter has a pain in his arm as word of knowledge. You might walk by and all of a sudden God just plants a thought and it's a word of knowledge. It might operate differently in different people. You okay with that? Yeah. It operates differently. So, so watch this. God's not in a box. And, and, and we, we think sometimes we, 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 oh, now we're out of the box, but sometimes we just got a bigger box. I hope you understand what I just said. Yeah. But, but there was a place, watch this, and I, I studied this one time. I thought it was kind of cool. I watched people do things and they did it different than we did it. And I thought, well, that can't be God because that's not the way we do it, right? And the Lord showed me that with a blind man, one blind man he spoke to, and the blind man received a sight. Another blind man he put his hand on, and the man received a sight. And another blind man, for whatever reason, he spit in dirt and put mud on the guy's eyes. Does that seem weird to anybody besides me? Come on. He spits in dirt and puts mud on the guy's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. That seems ridiculous. Just talk to me or put your hand on me. Why would you do that? I think God was showing us that he doesn't do the same thing the same way all the time. That's right. I was convinced at one point in my life, if you didn't do it the way the church of God of prophecy did it, you did it wrong. Anybody understand that, what I just said? Because I was part of that group. That's the, way we, that's the way we do this. So if you don't do it our way, well, then you're just wrong. And that was so stupid on my part but we're kind of trained that way. Everybody okay with what I'm saying? Yeah. So there are different diversities of administrations, okay? So, and that's what he's saying. But the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God that works all in all. But the manifestation, watch this, the revelation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit the entire body, to profit with all. Everybody see it? Now watch the next couple verses. For the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kind of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. What's he saying? He's saying God's going to move in all of us in different ways. Somehow in the body of Christ, we kind of got into a mentality that said, if we're not prophesying and we don't have words of knowledge, we're missing it. But God might have just gave you the word of wisdom. God might have given you a gift of discerning of spirits. And we've made that less than because it didn't look like Bob Hazlett. And nothing against Bob Hazel. You guys know I love Bob. So just hear that. But we took one gift and amplified it and another gift and minimized it. Do y'all follow what I just said? Yeah. Please hear what I'm saying. Do you understand that the discerning of spirits is just as great as words of knowledge? Yes. What I find amazing, and I'll, I'll talk, go ahead. Let me do this. Uh, I don't have it. Somebody has it. Yay, buddy. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it, and. and what has happened in a lot of churches is because 
God wanted to speak or move in different ways through different people, that has been hushed and it has been silenced. And there's a stalemate because God hasn't had the freedom to move the way he wants to move in individuals. Isn't that amazing? Can I tell you a really neat story? I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I can picture him playing this day. I went to a conference down in uh, uh, Florida a couple years back in Sarasota, Florida. It was under... Uh, Oh, I know this guy. He said his ministry is called Leadership International. I know that. And he's an amazing Church of God preacher, actually. This was, um, it was a conference, though, that was held by Gerald Durstein's group. And I'm trying to remember the name uh, out of Bradenton, Florida. And I went to the conference. It was an amazing conference. But this guy I'd never heard of before. Oh, my gosh, he was amazing. Leadership International was the name of his ministry. Anyway, what it was, he was preaching. And he'd come out of a Methodist church. I want you to understand this. Come out of a Methodist church. And the Methodist church was on fire. And they were a, a Methodistal church. Okay? Y'all follow what I'm saying? They operated in. They had, they had tongues and interpretations and stuff, and God was doing some things, and they had this little old Jamaican lady who was in the church. He was at that time the youth pastor. This was an older lady. She was a Jamaican lady, and she was, I mean, she was a fireball for God. She spent all of her time in prayer and everything, and God was flowing in her, right? Now, the youth pastor, he starts having youth meetings, and the youth are getting excited. And I mean, the Spirit of God's coming, and, it, and, and the pastor has given liberty for that. God is moving, and now people, and, and different things are happening. And this little Jamaican lady, because she's excited about Jesus and everything, she starts coming to the meetings, and, and, and she's excited. And what's happening is she's jumping up, and she's giving messages and interpretation, but they're coming out harsh. Okay? And I mean, she's decreeing Ichabod, which means the glory of God is departing and all these different things. You know what I mean? And, and she's proclaiming this stuff. And it's like gloom and doom. Every time she gives a message in tongues and, 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 and interprets it, it's like a gloom and doom message. Well, who wants that? You're just having a fiery time and somebody points out a gloom and doom. You know what I mean? And it was like, oh my gosh. And, and so he's mad and he wants to go. And he comes to the pastor. I thought this was an amazing thing. Watch this. He comes to the pastor. He says, I'm going to talk. I'm going to call her Sister Jenkins because I don't remember what her name was. Okay? He says, I'm going to go talk to Sister Jenkins right now. He says, and I'm going to tell her, I don't want her in my meetings anymore. I don't want her coming because it had just happened again, right? And he's frustrated with that. It happened several times and he's frustrated with it. I'm going to go talk to her. And the pastor says, wait a minute. He said, have you prayed for her? He said, well, no. <laughs> he said, okay, before I will release you to talk to her, you've got to pray for her. He said, fine. And the pastor stopped him. He said, no. I mean, you've got to pray for her till you're in tears. And when you've prayed for her at the point of tears, I will release you to speak to Sister Jenkins and not until then. Wow. That's amazing wisdom in the pastor. He goes to pray for her, but he can't. <laughs> he can't get to the point of tears. You know why? He's too angry. Now, he's got a conference that's coming up. It's a major youth conference in the city. It's at his church. He's in charge of it. And guess what happens? His back gets completely thrown out. He can't even stand let alone hardly walk. He's got to get two people to help him come into the church. He's got an incredible staff and he's in town. This guy's leader. He's a leader. Now he heads a ministry now called Leadership International. But even as a young pastor, he was a very, very good at leadership. So he's already got a team around him. They can carry on the whole meeting without him. But they bring him in. They put him in the back of the church. He is in the, they got pews in the church. And he's in the back of the church and he's actually laying over on a pew just trying to hold himself up. You follow what I said? He's holding himself up. Guess who comes in the building? <laughs> Old Sister Jay 
significance. And he's like, I'm going to get up so bad and tell her she can't. And he's not even, he knows he's not even allowed to address her because he understands authority. And he's under the authority of the senior pastor who said, you can't address her till you pray for her what? With tears, right? Okay, here's what happened. The meeting goes off. They have an amazing time. Sister Jenkins doesn't carry on. She doesn't do anything about Ichabod or anything like that. There's no gloom and doom prophecy. But they're having, they have a pretty amazing meeting that night. And guess what happens? At the end of the service, there's music and everybody's having a big time. And Sister Jenkins is having her worship time with God. And people are leaving. And as they're filing out the door, Sister Jenkins comes over and lays hands on him and prays. Fire God falls and his back is completely healed to the point where he jumps off the pew. You know what's really amazing? He was in a Methodist church that believed in tongues, believed in interpretation of tongues, did not believe in divine healing. So now you got a man who just got divinely healed who don't believe in divine healing. But how do you argue with a man who just had an experience? So now he don't know what to do with it. Do you understand what Vicky was saying a little bit ago? Something had been stifled. Here's the deal. They come to the, 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 the youth pastor now goes home and calls the pastor because it's like 11 o'clock at night. The pastor wasn't at the meeting. He said, I got to talk to you, man. I got to talk to you. He is bent out of shape, right? He doesn't even know how to handle this. And what he starts to do is he's telling the pastor, this is what happened. And when she laid her hand on me, fire came on me. And when fire came on me, I got, and I jumped off the pew with absolutely no pain. I can bend down and touch my I can do anything I want. There is no pain in my body. Pastor said, okay, I got to dwell on this for a little bit. Let's meet tomorrow. This was Friday night. Conference was all day Saturday. Pastor comes in on Saturday, sits with the youth pastor early in the morning, and he starts telling the story. He says, you got to tell everybody. He says, and when you tell him, you tell him Jesus heals. Amen. Amen. And the pastor in wisdom, watch this, because we're talking about all the different gifts. Pastor didn't have the gift of healing. Don't hear that wrong. We all have, if we have the Holy Spirit, we can all flow in that. But watch this, because I want to talk to you about this. Because we can all, do you understand if you have the Holy Spirit, you can flow in any of this stuff? Yeah. Please don't miss that. But watch this. His, can I say his primary gift? Is that okay if I say it that way? You understand what I'm saying? Was word of wisdom. Wisdom was on this pastor. And he says to the youth pastor, he says, here's the deal. The reason Sister Jenkins was all bottled up with all the stuff that was going on with all the junk coming out of her is because all this was rising up in her, but she had nowhere to release it because we had refused to accept to anoint the sick, to pray for healing. That isn't even a part of our culture, but it was so inside of her struggling to get out and it was coming out in funky ways. And I began to think about that, and I thought, you know what? What Vicki just said is sometimes we have stifled the gift of God. I'm going to talk to you real straight. I believe some of us in here have incredible gifting, but we stifled it because it doesn't look like word of knowledge. I think we've stifled some incredible gifting because it doesn't look like prophetic. We've stifled some incredible gifting because we didn't understand what we even had in us. And I'm going to tell you something. We've got to get educated on what's available. We've got to get educated. When we start reading 1 Corinthians 12, guess what? Turn over two more chapters and guess what you got? You got 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Talks about more about spiritual gifting. But I'm going to tell you something. There's incredible administrative gifts. And if you have an administrative gift, and that's your gifting, that's your primary gifting, if you can understand when I say that, okay? You know what I'm thinking? 
Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this, that we, this may be where you're supposed to be flowing is administration, and that's a great thing, but it doesn't seem like it carries the glory of prophetic gifting, so all of a sudden we feel like we're less than. I got news for you. We need to be who we are. He goes on in that chapter and he says, does the foot say because I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body? Come on, the foot knows it's a foot. The hand knows it's a hand. We need to know who we are. There's a place where we got to come to an understanding. This is who God created me to be. Do you understand? I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to be so plain with you, but I just that works for me, Okay. Five, six years ago when Pastor Dan came in the house and, and we, we invited him in as part of the ministry staff and, and, and we, he was doing every Saturday night at the time. He's flowing in this amazing stuff. He's laying hands on people. They're getting healed. At that point in the ministry, Dan wasn't, at, him and I talked about this, but this was a new thing, activating the body. And we talked about this because that's whenever we started doing that here was activating the body. But how many of you know, up until then, most of us operated in this. You got everybody up front and you went and prayed for them all. <laughs> So if, if it would have been that Dan would have been preaching on a Saturday night, he'd have prayed for him all. And we decided we're not going to do that. We're going to activate the body because we started to understand it's a body ministry. It's a lot bigger than that. But you got to understand, Dan flowed in all that stuff. I didn't flow in all that. So I'd watch what he was doing. I mean, you know, I was incredibly intimidated by that. Now, do I understand who I am? I do now a whole lot better than I even did five years ago, six years ago. But I can tell you something. There was a place where the devil's on your shoulder said, he got gifting you ain't God. What do you know? What do you think you are? All of a sudden, and then you start, come on, who's ever felt less then? Because you see these people. Here's the deal. I had to get to a place in that bottom. Then Todd comes on behind him, and Todd's only saved like six days and people are getting healed. What's up with that? I smack him because okay, you're frustrated. You know what I mean? It was like that. And then you're looking, come on, do we project on God? That's not fair. Okay, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Am I real or what? Come on. So now all of a sudden we're comparing ourselves to ourselves. And here's the deal. What I had to go through in my life was get to a place where I was comfortable with the skin I'm in. That's right. Because here's the honest truth. God gave me a shepherd's heart and he put me in a place where he wanted to use me. And it's exactly what God wants to do in my life. Yeah. And I had to be comfortable with the idea, this is who God created me to be. Can I flow in all that other stuff? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But the truth of the matter is I'm called to flow here. And I'm doing what God called me to do. And that's an amazing truth. One of the things you've got to get to the place is, first of all, you've got to understand who God created you to be and then flow in that. And don't feel like you're less than because you're not doing what that one's doing or you're not doing what this one's doing. Come on. Because sometimes we start comparing ourselves to everybody around us. And when we start comparing ourselves to everybody else, we start feeling like we've got to make something happen then. So all of a sudden, I'm going to go here. Yeah, I will. No. Yeah, I think I will. Okay. <laughs> Here's the deal. Because we want to be so prophetic because that's the new wave, right? All of a sudden, we're grabbing somebody's hand and we're saying something that sounds prophetic that had absolutely nothing to do with God. And it wasn't that we were trying to do something wrong. It was that we were so zealous we were trying to do something right that God wasn't even in. Come on. I don't even want to say it, but how many of us got a prophetic word that probably God had absolutely nothing to do with? Do you understand? I had a lady come to me one day, and it wasn't all that long back, and she says, I just want you to know, the Lord's telling me, he sees the tears that you were crying on your pillow last night, and he knows all the turmoil that's in your life. And I'm looking at her saying, huh? Because I didn't cry any tears last night. And there is no real turmoil in my life. And she just went on and on with this terrible, sad story. And I'm thinking, honey, you might want to look on this side or this side. It doesn't have nothing to do with me. And I realized that she was looking 
And catch this, because of my position in the house, she was looking for a, how do I even want to say, a place of prominence, right? Like I would recognize her as a prophetic gift. And I looked at her more as a pathetic gift, but that's another story. Okay, <laughs> okay. In, in the process, because there's a place, please hear my heart in this. If you have to make it happen, it ain't God. Do you understand what I just said? Because I'm going to tell you something, he flows naturally. What I want to speak to you about is this. If you're a hand, don't try to be a foot. If you're an ear, don't try to be an eye. If you're a nose, don't try to be a mouth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you are a nose and you try to be a mouth, I won't be able to see because my glasses won't have any place to rest. (laughs) You need to understand, in the process of this, we've all got a place on the body, in the body, as the body. Please understand what I'm trying to say. There's a place where we've amplified the other gifts. And I don't ever want you to think that whatever God's doing in you is less than what God's doing in them. Because you're a major integral part of what God's doing on planet earth. Please hear that. I am so convinced. I'm convicted in my heart. There's a place where we've got to come to an understanding. This is, I want to, I I so want to just be who God wants me to be. I want to be, I, I want to do what God called me to do. And if it doesn't look what we're, can I go here? Glamorous. Please, please hear this. Of all the people in this church, and you know, I am surrounded by incredible gifts. I am surrounded by incredible gifts. I mean, and I just mentioned a whole bunch of preachers that are incredible, gifted preachers, ministers, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. God uses these people in amazing ways, and they are impacting the nation. Come on, for in the reality, they're impacting the nation all over. Whether that's Lisa or Todd or Dan, you got you got Dave and Rick in the house. You got Ryan traveling all over. Lisa, these these guys are just doing amazing things in the body of Christ, and I thank God for every one of them. I have made this statement over and over again. You hear me and hear me well. If I had a duplicating machine and I could put one person in it, it would be Kim Miller and she's the janitor. And I don't know how many of you know her, but I promise you, if I had a duplicating machine, the first person I would run through it is Kim Miller. She cleans the church here. But I will tell you, she's probably one of the most amazing people on planet Earth. And any one of you can tell her I said that because I tell her that. And she'll cry if you tell her that. But I'm telling you, that's just because her heart is so cool. I'm going to tell you, if I was a little girl and I wanted to grow up, I'd want to be just like her. I'm an old man. If I grow up, I want to be like her. <laughs> but, but she's amazing to me. And here's the deal. She's flowing in the gifting that God placed in her. Because she has the gift of helps. And I will tell you something. She'll fall over herself helping anybody that she can. She's probably got one of the most tender and gracious hearts of anybody on planet earth. She is absolutely phenomenal. If I could duplicate Dan or her, I'm picking her. And don't take that away from Dan. I think he's amazing. But I'm telling you, she is, she's incredible. And I say that a lot. You need to hear that. Because we've put emphasis over here. And then what we do is when God's trying to do this in us, we feel like less than because we don't look like over here. Don't you ever feel like less than? You're created in an amazing way. God made you just to be like you. And here's the deal. You pursue that. And you find out what's God. And here's a great prayer. God, what are you doing in my life? God, what are you doing in my life? That's a great prayer. God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? I tell you, I got challenged a few years back. And I had to get comfortable with, wow, this is what God's doing in my life. And then when I understood what God was doing in my life, I said, hey, I might as well be the best at this. I'm not going to try to be that. God didn't make me to be that. He made me to be this. I want to be a really, 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 really good this. Does that make sense? I'm getting passionate now. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying? 
Here's the deal, and I, I'll catch you in just a minute, Shana, but this is really important that we just do this right now. You need to hear my heart well. Shiloh made mention, just trying to hear God. God, what are you doing in my life? That's really what I heard her saying. Every one of us is in a place where we got a purpose in our own heart. God, what are you doing in my life? God, what are you doing in my life? What are you wanting to do with me? Where am I at on your timetable? What are you, what are you purposing right now for me? So just to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're looking on the internet, just take a moment right now. We're going to take a God moment. I really believe this is a divine appointment right now with heaven. I really believe it's a divine appointment with heaven right now. I call these Kairos moments. It's where God intervenes in the affairs of men. But it's a Kairos moment because this so rises up in my heart. And it's a time right now where God wants to just speak to us as individuals. I said a little while ago, I really believe for most of us in this room, if God told us, I want you in Siberia, you would be packing parkas in a few moments. You'd be on your way buying tickets and making plans. I really believe that. If I want to know his secrets, where is it at? It's in the secret place. There's a place where God reveals to us and speaks to us about what he's doing in our lives. On a Sunday night in a little tiny church in Butler, Pennsylvania, God revealed to me that he was putting within my life a shepherd's heart. I will tell you from that day till this, I've never questioned that because I knew it was God. When you know what God's doing in your life, you know what direction you want to pursue. Please hear me. He'll share his secrets with his friends. I would just ask you right now, do you believe in your own heart that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? We have hammered Jeremiah 29 and 11 right into the ground. But he says it over and over. I know the plans that I have for you. If God knows the plan he has for you, don't you think he'd want to reveal it to you? You say, well, pastor, he's kept it a secret from me. Then I'm going to tell you, get in a secret place. Because if you want to know his secrets, he'll tell you in the secret place. I honestly believe there's plans, purposes, provision for everything that God wants for you right now. And he's going to speak to some hearts. Man, I feel this so strong in my life right now. This is a major time right here. I'm going to ask you, would you just prepare your heart? I feel like I just need to release that in the church. Father, I thank you. I so thank you, God. I thank you for the plans that you have for every one of us. God, it's an amazing fact for me, but... I'll never forget the day where you showed me my picture was on your refrigerator. I'm convinced, God, that you have a picture of each one. Each one of the students in this house, each one that's watching by internet, you have a picture of them on your refrigerator. You have a plan, you have a purpose, God, for every one of their lives. And I thank you that your love for each one of them is so incredibly amazing that you would reveal those plans and those purposes. And Father, right now, our hearts are just open. We are engaged to hear heaven right now. I'm asking God, anoint our ears to hear you and give us a sensitive to what you're doing in every one of our life. I'm asking God that you would just move in an amazing fashion. Father, I thank you. I thank you for purity of hearts, hearts that are pure and open before you, that you would speak to us, God. And Father, that we would have an ear that would so hear, and we would be like Joshua of old, strong and courageous, because we know the Lord our God is with us. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come in an amazing fashion. And God, we're just going to put our trust in you. Our faith, our trust, and our confidence is stayed in the Lord our God. So we're just asking, God, that you would moving us. And Father, even the things that you're stretching us for, God, I'm asking stretch us that we might reach to those places. Father, more than anything else, I'm just asking, God, that you would use us and give us, Lord, the courage to step through the door that you open. Because God, when you put before us an open door, you give us a choice, whether we walk through it or just stand in the doorway. God, I'm asking, give us the courage to take the step. Because when we take the step, I believe you'll meet us there. So I'm asking for every one of us in the house right now, everyone that's watching by way of the internet, 
God, that you would just open up those avenues for us and give us understanding, give us clarity of mind. Father, teach us, Lord, what it is to get to the secret place where we'll hear the secrets of heaven. God, that you would bring revelation, that you would bring understanding, and God, that we would so see, hear, and know the voice of God, that we would be so convicted in our own heart and in our own spirit that we would rise up and say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. God, that you would show us and that you would help us and give us understanding. I pray for a clarity right now. God, remove the clouds. Let the fog be lifted right now in Jesus' name. Let the fog be lifted right now in Jesus' name. Man, I see that in his spirit, the fog just lifting. And God, that you would give us clarity and understanding. Father, that the sun might shine in. Oh, God, that you would just touch right now each heart and each life. And help us, God, as we gain understanding, as we gain clarity of what you're about to do. Father, I'm asking you, come in an amazing way. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Draw us in. Help us to see, to know, to understand what you're wanting to do. God, we surrendered our lives to you. Now we just want to know, what will you do with us, Lord? What do you want to do with us, God? We patiently wait, Lord. But as we wait, we'll stay active. God, your word was real clear. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into the harvest. God, we want to go forth, but we want to know it, Lord. We want to go in our calling. We don't want to try to create something. We don't want to just try to make something happen. We so want to hear the voice of God. We don't want to do our thing and ask you to come and bless it. We want to see what you're doing and then join you and partner with heaven in what heaven's doing on the earth. Uh, we want to know, God, your will, your plan, and your purposes. Uh, so I thank you, God. I thank you that you're releasing even spiritual giftings, God. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of understanding, oh God. God, I thank you. The, the administrative giftings, God. All kinds of different things are being released even right now. Gifts of help, so God. Father, I thank you that there's amazing things that are transpiring. And God, help us to see what you're calling us to, that we might flow in what you want us to flow in. God, that we're not trying to create something or make something happen. We're just hearing this is what God's doing in my life. And God, we want to walk it out in sincerity. God, give us sincere hearts that we might understand purpose and destiny and all these amazing things that you're trying to do. Teach us, God. In a place of intimacy, draw us in. And when you do, speak in our ear. Isaiah said we'd hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk thou in it. Oh, God, that we might hear that still, small voice. Teach us what that looks like, Father. I pray, God, your blessing. I pray for your help. I pray for understanding. Give us clarity, oh God, that we might know your plan, your purposes for our lives. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you that even, even over the next couple of days, you'll visit with each one. Visit us in the night watches. Speak to us in the secret place. Through dreams and visions and revelations, give us understanding. Father, as we hear the voice of God, give us the courage to respond to what we hear that we would rise up and be the people you'd called us to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I bless that. God, I bless that. I need to do this. This, is, this isn't going to work well on the internet, but it doesn't matter. I hear God real clear on this. If you're in this house right now, and maybe you're with somebody on the internet, then that's okay. But if you're in this house right now, and you feel like God is placing a draw on your heart. You feel like God's doing something in your life. Would you just stand where you're at right now? There's just something you feel like God's, like, like, like you're trying to get clarity. You're trying to get direction. You feel like God's doing something. Maybe you're just saying, God, I just need to know this better. I need to understand this better. There's something we need to do. It's going to activate faith. Just stand. If you feel like that's your place right now, you feel like God's speaking something to you, just stand right where you're at because we're going to do something. I feel this in my heart in a big way. 
I know this is God, so I just want to do this. If there's somebody close to you that's standing near you, I want you just to pair off by twos, take their hand. Just take their hands, whatever, wherever it is, somebody's close to you, and, and just go ahead. If you, have, if you need to catch somebody, you might need to walk somewhere or something, but, but I just feel like there's a pairing off in twos. I, I heard that real clear in my heart. Maybe somebody's close to you and they, they didn't stand, but you're standing alone, just grab them. <laughs> but I really feel like God's in that right now. There's a, there's a place where God's doing something. You might have to just get in a three and that's okay too. But I so hear God in this. This is very, very clear from my heart right now. And I'm just ready to believe God. Would you do this? Would you pray for that person whose hands you're now holding? And as you're praying for them, I'm going to ask them to pray for you in the same manner. And we're just going to believe God right now. There's something about activating the faith as we pray together and we believe the Lord together. I'm asking you to pray for the people that you're with right now. Would you do that? Just, just join your hearts together, asking God for clarity for them. But this is a place where the body's activated and we pray one for another all over the house. I'm just so hearing God in that. I believe this is so the will of God right now. Pray for one another another. Just go ahead. Just, just release faith. As you're praying, you're believing that God's speaking. Pray for their ears to be open. I'm telling you, God's speaking. There's no question in my mind. God's speaking. There's a place, man. It's just a very serious moment. Just pray for one another. I'm just so hearing God in that right now. I know this is God. And I know there's a place where we just hear him and we respond to the call of God on our hearts. We're just responding to the call of God on our hearts right now. We're just responding to the call of God. I'm telling you, God's up to something right now. This is a, this is a Kairos moment. God's visiting us right now. Father, I just thank you all over the house. God, I thank you for, for men and women engaged. They're engaging their hearts, God. They're engaging their hearts. They're believing. They're in faith, God, that you're up to something amazing. They're up to something wonderful. God, I thank you. Give us clarity. Give us understanding, Father. Give us understanding, God. God, I thank you. A threefold cord's not quickly broken. God, I thank you for understanding. I thank you, God, for a grace. A grace that's great, God. You're doing amazing things right now. I'm asking, Father, just keep moving. Keep flowing. Holy Spirit, I thank you. God, I thank you for precious giftings. I thank you, God, that you're up to something amazing. And God, I'm just asking you to flow and move in young lives right now. God, as we receive that gifting, as we receive, God, what you're speaking right now, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, that our hearts might be open to all that you want to do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just come. Come in an amazing way. God, I thank you. God, I so thank you for what you're doing. Same for Barbara. God, just keep coming in an amazing way. Holy Ghost flow. <laughs> God, we welcome you right now. We, we, we always so welcome you in this place. God, just keep flowing right now. Jesus, we just ask you to come. Keep coming, Lord. Keep coming, Lord. God, I know you're doing amazing things right here. God, I know you're doing amazing things right here. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come. Come, Lord, I pray breathe on her Holy Spirit you breathe on her you breathe on her let her hear the voice of God let her hear the heartbeat of heaven God that you would keep coming in an amazing way we welcome that Lord we welcome that right now God we welcome that right now Holy Spirit we thank you Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, in an amazing way. Come, God, I pray. Father, we just thank you. We're so welcoming the gift of God. We're so welcoming the heart of heaven. And God, we're asking if we don't hear from you, God, we don't want to take a step. But God, when we do, we want the courage to step out and do what you're asking us to do. Give us wisdom. Give us insight, God. Give us wisdom and insight that we might be forthright, God, in walking out the steps that you've ordained and following in the flow that 
that heaven's called us to. God, we want to walk out truth. God, we want to walk it out in integrity. God, we want to walk it out in character. God, we want to follow you in the spirit. Teach us, Lord, I pray. God, we so want to hear from heaven. We so want to hear what you're up to. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, we welcome you right now. Bring us in a place of intimacy where we so hear the heart of God. God, I'm asking. Let there never be a moment past that we're not in communion with you because there's never a moment where you quit speaking. God, I'm asking for direction. I'm asking for understanding. God, come. God, come in an amazing way. Give us, Lord, that direction. Let us know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God. This is the will, the plan, and the purpose of heaven. You see the purity of the heart, God. And we're asking you just come. Come, Lord, and help us to understand you. Help us to know the will of heaven. Help us to know, God, what you're speaking. God, we so want you right now. God, we so want you right now. God, we so want you. God, we don't want to just make a good plan today and ask you to visit us. God, we want to see your plans for the day and walk it out. God, I thank you for Chelsea. I thank you for her amazing heart. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for what you've already spoken over her. More, God. I'm asking for the more of heaven to be released in her. And God, that she would know, Lord, that she would know beyond a shadow of a doubt the steps that you've ordered and ordained. God, I thank you and I bless her. I bless her as a daughter of the most high. I bless her, God. Let the heartbeat of heaven beat inside of her, and that her heart beats with your heart. God, that her steps walk with your steps. God, that her life measures up with your life, and God, that you would walk her through this place. Father, I bless that in Jesus' name, and I thank you for what you're accomplishing and what you're doing. God, we want so much the more of what your heart is. Teach us what that looks like, God. God, we so want you. God, we so want you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, keep coming more. Keep coming more, God. Keep coming more. Keep coming more, God, right here. God, for Bobby and for Billy, too. God, as you just direct their paths, God, I thank you for the two are one. And God, I'm asking that you would just come in an amazing way. More of your spirit, more of your anointing, more of your grace. God, as we walk in fellowship, one with another and with you. Father, I bless that over her. Teach her, God, what that looks like as she walks, Lord, in the footsteps that you've ordained. Holy Ghost, come. God, we welcome you. God, we welcome you. God, we so want to hear you. God, we so want to know your heart. Oh, God. God, I thank you. Jesus, we welcome you right now. God, I thank you for these moments where you come and you speak to us. God, let it be clear. Let it be so clear in our heart. Let it be so clear, God, that we would walk out who you intended for us to be, not who somebody else wanted us to be, not who mom might have wanted us to be, not who dad wanted us to be, who you wanted us to be, God. God, that we might be the best us that you've made us to be. Teach us what that looks like, God. Holy Spirit, come. Father, I thank you. Son, I thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We welcome you, God. We welcome you in this place, Lord. We welcome you in this place. Oh, God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for what you're doing. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh, God. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways. Jesus, 
step by step you'll lead us. I'll follow you all my days. Teach me, Lord. Teach me what that looks like, God. Teach us, Lord, what that looks like. God, that we might be released to flow in the power of your spirit. That we might be released to flow in all that you have for us. God, we don't want to miss it. God, we so want to walk with you. We have but one life to live. May we live it to the fullest. May we live it, Lord, in the divine call that you have upon our life. You didn't call any of us to sit by and watch. You didn't call any of us, God, to just stand on the sidelines and watch the game. You called us to get on the field, to get in the game and to be activated, God. Activate us today. Activate us today. Activate us today. Activate us, God, so that we know what that looks like. God, I'm asking you, come, that we might get in the game. Teach us, Lord, I pray, God, that we might actively pursue all that you have for us. God, we don't want to miss a thing. God, we don't want to miss a thing. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. We're coming after you. We want intimacy, God. God, I firmly believe, Lord, the call for heaven from heaven for us is intimacy with you. Teach us what it is to get in the secret place because that's where we'll find the secrets. You reveal your secrets in the secret place. God, I so thank you. God, I so thank you. God, I so thank you for what you're doing. Oh God, oh God, we want you. Holy Spirit, come. Land on us, God. Land on us, God. Jesus, I thank you. Holy Ghost, I thank you. God, you're awesome today. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, God, I pray. Wow. I really believe there's a place where God's drawing us as a body. You feeling that? It's messing me up <laughs> in a good way. God's calling us to something more. You know that, church. God's calling us to something more. There's something higher. There's something deeper. There's something stronger. God's calling us to a place, and that place is intimacy. We're going to find that in a secret place. If you're feeling empty, it's because there's something out there called fullness that's placed to draw on you. Do you understand what I just said? The only way you can know that you feel empty is because there's something out here called full. I was poor as a kid, but the only reason I knew I was poor as a kid is because I found some people who were rich. And I realized they had something I didn't have. If all I ever did was hang out with a bunch of other poor kids like me, then none of us would have known we were poor. If them rich brats hadn't come along. <laughs> Y'all follow what I'm saying? You only know poor because you know there's something out there that's not poor. You only feel empty because there's something out there called fool. God's placing a draw on you to fullness. God's placing a draw on us to fullness. Oh, I could preach right now. God's placing a draw on us to fullness. And when I think about it, I'm being drawn to fullness. I want fullness. Why? Because fullness wants me. I got something inside of me that's rising up that says, man, if there's something more, I'm after it. And if I haven't found it yet, I'm going to pursue it until I do. Hope you hear that. 
But I'm telling you, there's something inside of us that's putting a draw on us. Uh, I'm in pursuit of it, and it's in pursuit of me. And I don't know about you, but I want to get caught. (laughs) One of my biggest prayers is, God, I'm chasing you. I hope you catch me. (laughs) I I think you understand that because I've got news for you. If you're chasing God, there's a good thing to know. He's chasing you. Catch me, God. That's a good prayer. I believe that with everything in me. See, the preacher in me is just getting wound right now. But I'm telling you, I feel Jesus in the house in a major way right now. There's something there. And, and I'm telling you, man, it's, it's all about intimacy. It's the seed of intimacy. And God's calling us to that. Do you understand that Adam and Eve had intimacy in the garden? They had intimacy with God in the garden. There was an intimate place in the garden. I don't even know how long it was until they ate of the tree that they shouldn't have ate of. But what I found was, what was the tree called? The tree of knowledge. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. We talked about that earlier in the, last week. But the idea is, is that there was a place called intimacy, and they actually traded intimacy for knowledge. Yeah. Do you understand what the church did years back? I'm not being harsh. I'm not being critical. But I really believe that there was a place where the church operated in intimacy. And in that intimacy, there was incredible power and giftings, and God was flowing and moving. And then we got after knowledge. Yeah. I'm not being critical. Please don't hear. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with knowledge, but don't ever sacrifice intimacy for knowledge. At one point in my life, I had 730 some books in my library. I I, I bought. I kept buying more bookshelves because I kept buying more books. I had all kinds of books. You know what happened to me? Pride. I got really proud of my library. I'd bring other minister friends in. I'd show them my library. You know, I had a lot of books in my library. (laughs) Old preachers would die. Guess who got their books? I did. Because I went to their wives and said, hey, we're doing all those books. (laughs) Because I wanted them. And they knew I was hungry. So they said, oh, we're going to bless you. And you know what I was doing? I was building a library full of pride. I had all these books. And one day I was in my office. It's a true story. I was in my office and I'm praying and, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm studying some things out. And I, I'm reading my Bible. And then as I'm reading, I'm praying, just kind of spending some time with God. And I, I thought about something. I thought, oh, I'll bet that's it. And I started going over through my library, looking through the books. The Lord said, what are you doing? It was real clear. You know, sometimes, can I say this? Sometimes God talks to you and then sometimes God speaks to you. Does that make sense to anybody? This was one of them real clear defined moments. And God said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look some stuff up in the book. And he said, what do you got all them books for? What do you got all them books for? And he challenged my heart and I knew where he was going. But how many know, even when you know where God's going, you try to avoid it? Come on, some of you have been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And as I was talking to God about all them books, I started telling books. I was like, all them books because I, I want to learn more about you. And, and what I found was, this is where the Lord rebuked me. He said, you're spending hours in those books and minutes in mine. Do you understand what I just said? He said, you're spending hours in those books and minutes in mine. He said, all those books were only supposed to be a help so that you could understand my book. But if you can't spend time in my book, all those books won't matter. Because all you're getting now is somebody else's revelation. I want to give you your own. You know what I learned? Uh-huh. Knowledge, intimacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if you got that or not because the Pentecostal church would have shouted. <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge was in them bookshelves. Intimacy was in this book. Yeah. And that's what God was teaching me in that moment. Don't ever trade knowledge for intimacy. I come back and I'm going to say this one more time. We're going to pray and close out, but I'm speaking to your hearts right now. You could spend weeks and weeks and weeks in a class that's like this over and over. Get all kind of knowledge and leave her totally unchanged. Don't let that be said of you. 
This is not for you to gain knowledge. This is for you to gain revelation and intimacy. So you can understand who you are so you can be intimate with the Father who brought you to this place. Please hear that. I don't know if I'll be back to teach with you guys. I think Pastor Dan pretty much has the rest of the time if I remember right. But I wanted you to understand something that's so big in my heart. You can gain all the knowledge in the world and be totally unchanged. But in a moment of intimacy, it could change your life forever. Oh, that was really good. I should quit now. Okay. <laughs> but, but you need to hear that. Okay, you follow what I'm saying? God, teach us what it looks like to get intimacy with you. Because that's what I believe. There's a phrase that God dropped in my heart a while back, and I've preached a series on it for a couple of years. I, well, I preached several times the same series, but it's called Out of Intimacy. And out of intimacy, we destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Do you understand that phrase? Yeah. It's out of intimacy that we can go forth and destroy the works of the devil. Out of intimacy, you will crush darkness. Out of intimacy, come on, because it's in the secret place that he's revealing his secrets. I believe today, it's been a catalyst for some of you when we prayed. I will tell you, when we paired off and prayed all over this place, Spirit of God was here. And I honestly believe, oh, I'll feel it right now. Like both of the hairs on my head are standing. <laughs> but there's a place right now where God is speaking to us. I'm telling you, man, catalyst. Let's know who we are and flow in who God made us to be. Not comparing ourselves to one another. But saying, God, I thank you. I might not be the foot, but I'm the best hand I can be. Yeah. Y'all understand what I just said? Mm -hmm. Teach us that, God. That's huge to me right now. You okay with that? My heart's really moved. Thanks for being with us these past few days. Let me pray for you one more time because it's just really in my heart. And we'll dismiss. And uh, let's see what God does. Okay? You might want to share with some folks around or some people that you know about the next coming school because I'm going to start advertising at the end of the week and put it out there on the internet and some different things. But I'm pretty excited about that. I think that's going to be a really good time as well. But I'm encouraged and trust that you're encouraged and with the great desire, God, I want to be the best me I can be. Amen. I'd like to sing like Vicky. <laughs> but people would really look at me weird if I sounded like her. <laughs> So God didn't call me to sing like Vicky, But I want to be the best me I can be. Does that make sense? Oh, I hope you're hearing my heart in that. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that in a place of intimacy, you will draw us. You will teach us, and we will grow because of it. Father, I thank you for your love, your grace, and your goodness. Everything inside of us cries out, and we say, God, we so want you. God, we so want you. God, we so desire your heart. May our heart reflect your heart. May our lives reflect your life. And God, that we would find ourselves looking more like Jesus all the time. Holy Spirit, I welcome you right now. And Father, we're just asking you to come in an amazing way. Teach us, God, I pray. Teach us what it looks like. Teach us what it looks like to model after you. God, I thank you that you are raising up men and women with a passion to be the very best they can be. God, I thank you for the passion that's in them. And I'm praying, God, that it'll only grow and increase. May it be a time of great acceleration in the body of Christ as we pursue the Christ in us. 
Teach us, Lord, I pray, and help us that we would find ourselves compelled to get to the secret place. Like there's such a draw in our heart, God. It's like, no, I can't turn on the TV. No, I'm not picking up the cell phone. No, I'm not going over to the DVR. But God, I'm going into the secret place with you because that's what I'm hungry for. Give us a hunger and a thirst that's greater than we've ever seen before. That we would be those that hunger and thirst after righteousness because you said if we do, we'd be filled. So God, we bless that right now and we thank you for it. And I'm asking you to teach us show us and help us and encourage us as we pursue you with the knowledge that you're pursuing us. We bless that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for being with us. Before we do this and before I dismiss, I didn't see you come back in. And Shana, did you have something? Is it relevant? Are we okay? Yeah. Buddy, you want to grab that microphone for her? She's got the bait. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. All right. I just want, I wanted to honor that, and I, I knew I'd passed over that. I felt like we were in a moment, but I want to come back. Go ahead. That's great. Um, just, we started out with intimacy, and then we got into the giftings, and then back into this, and something that you said really spoke about, you know, being the hand and the foot and the best, you know, and when you said, it was really quick you said it, but just that we are born because we are in his image. We are born with the capacity for all things. Absolutely. And that he sent his son who was all things to show us a picture of what everything could be 100%. Healing, words of knowledge, compassion, everything was in that one. But what makes it so special and back to that intimacy is that those things, he picks each one of us individually to do that because of relationship with him and then to manifest that in each other. So it just seems so beautiful to me that those things then turn to edify each other, even though we have the capacity to do it all, Isn't the amazing? right thing at the right time for each other. Absolutely. And he brings us together and places us in the body as it pleases him. I'm going to preach it Sunday morning. I'm going to preach this Sunday morning. Okay, so if you want to come back, we'll revisit some of this because it's so in my heart right now. And I'm going to come back. We're going to preach it on Sunday morning. Uh, but tomorrow you have Pastor Dan. You have to put up with him. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, get him on. And then uh, he'll be here tomorrow and Thursday. So excited about good things, man. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. You're dismissed. Okay. There's bread in the social hall. If you guys want to grab a loaf of bread when you leave. Come on, man. It's like Bethlehem. (laughs) House of bread. Did we do all right? I'll do.